Today's episode is brought to you by Reef Builders, winner of Best of Hows, five years running. Reef Builders is a Tempe, Arizona-based, full-service design-build construction company. What's a design-build company? It means you deal with one company for everything. Reef Builders is able to take your vision and bring it to life by drawing your plans, producing photorealistic, high-resolution 3D renderings of your kitchen, baths, and more, helping you design and pick your finishes, and finally, executing that vision. With their years of building experience and a superior client experience, using tools such as online project management software through their client portal that allows you to see your renovation in real time. Whether you're in town, on vacation, or living in another state, you have access to job progress photos, your build schedule, financials, and much more anywhere in the world. So if you're looking for a complete bath or kitchen renovation, a complete home renovation, a custom home designed and built, or a boutique commercial project built out, Reef Builders can deliver it. Reef Builders. Your vision, their experience delivered. All right. Episode three is with Chris Stewart and Kirk Hover. I've known both these gentlemen for quite some time. Kirk actually had the misfortune of managing me at my first probationary firefighter station for three months. So um, known him for a long time. Just a great mentor, great guy, great leader, great captain. One of those guys I've tried to emulate my career through. Um, he is now retired, um, and enjoying retirement. He has one of the most awesome land cruisers I've ever seen, um, and car guy for sure. And he is married, has a couple kids. Uh, they're a little bit grown up now. And then our second guest is Chris Stewart. Chris Stewart is a, uh, deputy chief for, uh, for the Phoenix fire department. He started, um, as a firefighter, worked his way through, uh, captain, battalion chief, and now deputy chief. Uh, one of the great leaders, I think, in our fire service, um, humble guy, has done a lot, uh, published in fire engineering magazines, has worked with UL. Um, on top of that, he's a philanthropist. He started uh, with two of his friends, the Arizona Interscholastic Cycling League in 2012. Uh, the AICL is a youth development organization with over 1,000 student athletes and 500 coaches. They started with like 20. It's, it's crazy how, how big it's gotten. It's the premier um, mountain bike cycling league for high school kids um, in, in Arizona. Um, their goal is to uh, strengthen every Arizona team through their mind, body, and character through their lifelong sport of cycling. So uh, today's episode would be good. A lot of talk on leadership, a lot of talk on how to lead people um, that's transferable in all realms. So here we go. Episode three with Chris Stewart and Kirk Over. <laughs> All right, welcome to episode three of Make the Difference. Today I have two gentlemen I've known for a long time. One was uh, actually my first probationary captain, poor bastard. Uh, his name's Kirk Over. <laughs> I've known Kirk for now about 14 years. Um, our other guest is Chris Stewart. Chris Stewart is a local fire chief uh, here in Arizona. And we're going to be talking about what we can do to be successful in that arena, uh, leadership, education, and everything in between. So, Kirk, I'll let you start off, kind of introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are. All right. Hello, my name is Kirk Hover. Um, consider myself a native of Arizona, although I moved here when I was an infant, uh, or my family did. But anyways, um, I was on the uh, Phoenix Fire Department for a period of about 32 and a half years. Uh, during that time, I was a uh, firefighter in the back seat for 15 years and promoted to captain and I retired as a captain uh, 
kind of got involved and got interested in the fire service, you know, especially Phoenix, through my brother who was hired two years prior to me. And uh, he was one who kind of got me inspired and got me motivated to take the test. And at that time, I was working in uh, construction full time. So I kind of started in and I took the test and I didn't pass on the first go round. Like a good B-shifter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and then I went back and I tested again after a year and unfortunately got hired and I uh, went to the class of 84 one uh, with some complete boobs um, in that class. <laughs> and I can name a few, but uh, I won't. <laughs> Andy being one of them. Andy, Andy being the top one. The uh, head one. Yeah, it was, it was Andy and Angle who sat together at the same table. So let's figure <laughs> that one out. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, so then I got into the fire service and um, got hired and graduated class of 84 one and then took off. And, you know, like I said, for 32-plus years, it was uh, a dream come true for me. Just uh, an unbelievable career. I had a, a great time, and I was blessed to have worked with some of the best leaders on the job and who I consider the best leaders on the job. So, yeah, that's kind of a quick background of uh, where I was. When did you become a captain? What year? Yeah. That was 99. We were on yeah. the same list. Yeah. You yeah, two Chris, were? Yeah, Chris and I were on the same list. Who was, who was uh, on top of the other one? <laughs> no. He was higher than I was. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. What did you know? Yeah. yeah, but then look at where my career stalled and Chris <laughs> just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, yeah, I got, I, got, uh, I got promoted in 99. and uh, So you're and, captain for, what, 20 years? Yeah, close to it. Yeah. Damn. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, that, that time that Bruno was still the fire chief, and uh, I can still remember getting badged by Bruno. Bruno was there. And, you know, and I, I look at my career, how fortunate I was to have that kind of leadership. But, you know, I, I, can, I can remember because I worked for 15 years for Tim Kenobi, who, in my opinion, still is one of the best captains that ever rode a fire truck. He was a true leader, and he always stuck up for the guys. But he would come back from the captain's meeting with Bruno, and he'd always say the same thing. He's like, Bruno loves his captains, and he did. He put, he's put such a priority on them because he knew that's where the rubber met the road, and he backed them, and he believed in them, and he listened to them. And so when Bruno gave me that, that badge, man, that meant a whole lot in my career because I had that understanding of who Bruno was even though I didn't have a personal relationship with him, right. you know, as Chris did. And, uh, but Tim would talk highly of our fire chief all the time. Why was Tim one of the best captains you've ever worked for? Uh, man, he had just so many good qualities, Brandon. I, 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 could, I could sit here and name him, you know, a lot of them. But I think one of the things that really stood out with Tim for me was he didn't just talk the talk. He walked it. He truly, honestly walked it. And... I remember one of his sayings, he would, he would tell his crews, and, and he was very consistent on this. He said, you know, anybody can be a professional at a big fire. And he goes, I consider the professional the guys who are grinding out a call at 3 o'clock in the morning, and this is the fourth call after midnight, and are still professionals. And that always stuck with me. It always meant something to me that Tim would have that perspective. And that's how he led. He, he didn't just talk it. He walked it. He actually showed that to his crew. And he was very consistent on that. He was just a consistent personality. So um, he always had your back, you know, and he, he taught you, and he was just a guy to look up to, man. I always felt comfortable when I had Tim in the front seat. Then you spent, what, how many classes at the training academy? 
I just did the one. I, I, I got to do 14-1. How was that for you? Probably the highlight of my career. Really? Honestly. How come? Um, I, I just think that, you know, I was in a, a really good, comfortable place in my career, um, and it got me out of my comfort zone and it made me push a little bit harder. And, and Chris was one of the guys who motivated me. I came, I came to Chris and talked to Chris because Chris had been in RTO, and he'd been the director of training and was going to be the director of training. And I had a lot of good questions for Chris, and he gave me a lot of good answers, and it kind of motivated me. But it took me out of my comfort zone. And, you know, there's that – I think there's that um, thing we can all fall into out in the field is that, you know, the booters come out, and people are always saying, like, uh, what the hell are they teaching these kids down there, you know? And I was probably guilty of the heavy, same thing. Heavy yoga. Yeah, and some other, exactly. Yeah, and like they you know, don't even know how to make gravy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't even know how to ring out a, mat, a mop to go mop the, the bathroom floor. You What's know? a mop? Yeah, a mop? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I think that, you know, that was, that was probably the highlight in it, and it was good to go down there and see these kids, you know, how they are, these young guys coming on the job, and they were a, dif a different personality or a different person than I was when I got hired. Because most of us back in the day, we all worked construction. We yeah. had construction trucks in the back of the Well, station. plus you're criminals. Most yeah, of and them. criminals. Yeah. And uh, we understood <laughs> that. But, um, you know, the, these a lot of kids don't have that kind of background anymore. But, man, what, what I found out about them is they're eager to learn and they learn fast. Yeah. They're really learners. And they pick up on stuff really quick. And so we only had 14 in that class, but I was just blessed to uh, – have, be in that class with some really good other RTOs and, um, you know, be part of that class. And it just sticks with me, you know. And then good. you ended your career as a fit, right? I didn't think you could do less than a BLS engineer. And then, uh, and then I became a BLS captain. I'm like, you can do less. You and, then, do. and then I became a fit for a little while. I'm like, right. whoa, you can right. even do less than that. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it goes to say that, you know, if you put in some hard work, you get to end up in a good place. But... Um, <laughs> I can't claim that I did any hard work at any time <laughs> yeah. because the hardest work we ever do is get to go to a fire. Yeah. And that's physically the hardest thing we do, but it's the funnest thing we do. And Absolutely. I never considered the fire department work. No. I never, ever did. It was just, it was a fantasy land, you yeah. know? It's Absolutely. like, and I get to go to the big boys and girls club. I get to eat food. I get to hang out. I get to, you know, have fellowship and that was it, man. It's just, that's the way the job was to me. A lot of buffoonery goes on between eight and eight. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, way more than should be allowed. But at least in my days, it was. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right. So, Chris Chris Stewart, like I said, Chris Stewart is a local fire chief here. And he's had a pretty pretty uh, fast-track career. He's done some cool things. He was at the pile in 9-11. So, Chris, tell us a little about your career. And yeah, so uh, um, I started working with the fire department in 1991. Uh, I was lucky enough to start working um, in what was uh, – they called CAD at the time, Computer Aided Dispatch. It was the communication section, essentially, and the IT section, you know, that we know of today. Your propeller in the fire department. Yeah, well, no, I had no skills. I just <laughs> where I ended up working, and it, it wasn't a technical job. It was being the radio runner. So, yeah. so when radios broke, somebody had to go deliver radios. How, how did you get the string and the can that <laughs> yeah, far? Yeah, exactly. Well, the funny thing was, is when when the can or the string would get wet, you'd have to replace it. Oh, so gotcha. Every time we had a fire, the radios were broken. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and then and then. And I also had all the uh, the heart monitors. So the ALS trucks out there had the you know the old Life Pack fives, and they were 
They weren't super durable, so they broke a lot. So yeah. we were going and taking, delivering those at all hours. So it was a fantastic job for a kid who was 20 years old. Oh, yeah. um, then I, uh, I, I was testing for the fire department at that time, and then, and then, um, uh, I think it was just about a year after that that I got hired. Um, Did you always want to be a fireman, like for a long time? So I think I figured it out when, in, when I was 16 years old because I wow. got to go ride uh, on engine six. It was New Year's Day. I, I know the day uh, because we I watched ASU play Michigan in the Rose Bowl. And lost. At Station 6. No, they won. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they won. They, they lost to Ohio State later. Um, but uh, they, they, I, that's just – I can remember the day specifically because was, that was part of the day. But um, after that, I was like, oh, I think I know exactly what I want to do. This is really cool. So um, so that was my goal. And, uh, um, yeah, lucky enough to – to actually get to do it um, later. Um, so I got hired in 1992, which was an interesting time in the city because uh, there were some, what I remember to be the first real financial difficulties of the fire department. And uh, they were having to make a decision of whether they were going to actually uh, lay off eight firefighters and close down two ladder trucks. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and there was actually a, uh, uh, these considerations and a vote uh, amongst the local um, for the the local essentially voted to take furlough days rather than lay anybody off and so that's my first introduction to the phoenix fire department is every per- single person on the job is going to take a day off without pay so they don't have to lay me off no if that doesn't if that doesn't set kind of the the foundation of the groundwork for somebody's career i think they're you know you're not paying attention that would so, be the last time we we did that too because i think yeah i don't know we did it what ten years ago or something like that yeah. to keep some guys? Yeah, maybe a little uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yep, yep. So um, yeah, so in uh, well, now we ended up being red shirts, the dubious um, honor of being the longest red shirts at the fire department. What's a red shirt? There's a lot of people are going to be listening uh, that have no idea what a red yeah, shirt is. Yeah, so uh, there are six positions in the fire department that are staffed by people who are getting ready to go into the academy. So you were you'd be you hired getting ready to go, you know, with the intentions of going to the academy. Um, they, so, these six positions basically are gophers. They, they work in the logistics section of the fire department, and they deliver all the stuff and supplies and, and move stuff around and really just kind of support the fire stations. Gotcha. So, so it's, uh, it's like being held back like I was in first grade? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, for the yeah. short bus. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, right. I get that yeah exactly. So, <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So I did. We I got I got to ride the short bus for the longest period of time that anybody's been able to do it. So then they give you a red helmet afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, believe that. Well, and, yeah, yeah. There's a long list of people who have those that I probably we probably shouldn't be proud of that we share. Sure, that's not. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Including myself. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, after that, a couple years later, went through the academy. A couple years later, went to paramedic training. Um, Took the captain's test. Uh, luckily, got promoted on my first on my first try. Was um, the number? Where'd uh, you end up? I was number eleven. And you were what? Two. Oh, look at that! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Brainy guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. Smart guys. Yeah. Great day of yeah. guessing on the written test. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can tell you. C C C. Charlie out. Yeah. The written test was on the back of a matchbook. That's what we had to do. Perfect. So first test, you end up, yeah, that's, that both of you guys ended up high. So you ended up yeah. high. And how old were you when you became a captain? I was 28. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, 
roving into some stations and some dudes with like 30 years yeah. on the job. Yeah, so my first my first day as a captain, uh, I was uh, I was uh, a captain on engine 14. So Rick Quintana, who was a pretty fantastic uh, senior fireman uh, on engine 14 B shift. So I roved in there and was Rick's captain for the day. And Rick was my, well, he was my de facto first uh, first senior firefighter because I worked on the company next door. Sure, and I didn't get a lot of attention. So when we went to fires, Rick is who I paid attention to. And so uh, Rick and Matt Smith and those guys. So, uh, yeah, so it was a little weird to show up and say, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm the responsible adult <laughs> on this ship today yeah. to a guy that I really, really look up to. Right. Uh, so, yeah, since then, I just uh, tried, to, tried to do the best I can. And then you stayed a captain for how long? I was a captain for... 13 years. 13 years, and then? Yeah, and then I got promoted to, to battalion chief. Um, yeah, I got sent to the alarm room. I've worked in the alarm room as a battalion <laughs> chief. Uh, Who'd you piss off? I worked in. So, hey, <laughs> that I, time. let me tell you this. Uh, so, I would not, prior to that, I would have never fought to get in there. You know, it, it does, it carries a stigma. I am so glad I got to do it. I wouldn't trade being able to do it for anything i it's a fantastic education so i um yeah I, I'll, I'll walk around and act like oh yeah i didn't want to do that but i, I didn't mind working there so um yeah if i worked in ems for a little while and, and then i got to work in training for three years and and uh and then uh went to homeland and went to safety and then uh, i think i'll be on to something else here pretty soon so you've been a chief for how long uh six years Okay. Yeah, because I met you when you came to training, when you came to the academy. Yeah, Because right, I, right. I had been down there. So. Your fitness stuff and yep, veteran it. stuff. and Yeah. That's how it all started back then. Mm-hmm. Who was your first crew that you had that you managed? Was it a 42 or somewhere else? No, it was uh, actually I was on A shift. I had a long cape. You were on A shift? Yeah, I had a long cape and a big <laughs> S on the, my chest. Right, whoa. Yeah. I can't yeah. even picture that. Yeah. It, right. Yeah. Well, you know, it takes a while to figure out where you really belong. Yeah. And once I <laughs> went to, once you have to have body fat below 5%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once I went to B, and they threw the, foot, the playbook out, and uh, I didn't have any playbook, and you just kind of grunted and shrugged your shoulders a lot, I thought, this is, this is right up my alley. Yeah, these are my people. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I actually went to Station 8. Lloyd Randall was a captain there, and he, he, was, on a, uh, he was on the BC's list. They moved him out, and I was TRT Compensation 28. So they put me at Station 8, and I had Ray Higuera was my engineer, and I had Jay Srebeck in the back seat. Really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, Donnie Simons. Was, did he look like Mr. Clean back then? Or did oh, he yeah. Hair? Oh, yeah. Jay, Jay never changed. Yeah. Uh, God bless him. You know, and, and uh, yeah, he, he, was, he was the senior hoseman, and Donnie was the booter. So that was my first crew I managed. And it was actually a very easy spot to manage because all, all those guys were wired tight. They knew their, they knew their job. They were competent. Um, they were compassionate. They, they, they were good A shifters. They really were. Right. Yeah. So, why did you, why did you want to be a captain? It was just time for you. Like, cause you and I sat down and talked about, yeah. you know, that several times for myself. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. And then, you know, and and that's a good question. But I, I'll have to, be, you know, just like anything, you kind of evaluate where you are in life and you start talking to people. But. Um, Jeff Zentek was at, at Engine 22 on A-Shift, and I was at Station 28 with Kenobi, Mahoney, and Steve White. And we had a really good crew and a lot of fun. And we had a huge first due, 
and we were having lots of fires, and we just got on TRT, and, you know, just a lot of things going on. But it was a night train, it still is, you know, and it, it was a busy house. But um, Jeff came up to me, he goes, hey, man, let's take the cabin steps. And I said, I, would, I hadn't even thought about it. And I go, when is it? And he told me. He goes, we can study together. And that kind of, that, that planted the seed. It's and then I started talking to people, and I talked to my, I talked to Kenobi about it. And uh, Tim said, yeah, man, he goes, uh, he goes, you make a great captain, and he was, he was a, he was a motivator for me. He really was, because on a shift we had that crew, and then on another shift there was another captain that I won't mention names, but <laughs> I kind of, I kind of looked at it. What's I, it start and end with? <laughs> and I kind of looked. I know at who the, you're talking about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I kind of looked at the two between Kenobi and the other captain, and I said, if I can finish somewhere in between those two guys, I'll be all right. I won't be at Tim's level, but I'll never get down to this other level. <laughs> and God, I don't think I ever did. I hope not. But um, so yeah, that's that was a motivating factor for me. Then you and then you moved on to where? From eights. Yeah. Um, then I got recruited to become a captain at Station Thirteen, and they were they had Terry Allen had left there, and. The guy who recruited me was Steve Ohab. Oh, no. What yeah. a criminal. Yeah. You listen to that guy? The, the biggest criminal of all. But here, <laughs> here, was, here was Steve. And for people who didn't know Steve's personality, great fireman, great hoseman, and a great person, but known to be a little bit rough around the edges yeah. and, and a challenge for supervisors. And he came out of Station 3 on B. Oh, geez. And it was like yeah, that was a that. revolving circle around there or, or, or seats of captains that were in and out. Many goats. Yeah. yeah. The goats yeah. up on the wall. And they put a new goat. Oh, yeah. And I remember the, the name goats. on it. Yeah. So Ohab had that, that legend about him or that, that uh, mystique, that persona about him. But, you know, Steve recruited me and he recruited uh, uh, Nick Petrucci as the engineer. Okay. Nick and Steve went back a long time at Station 16 together. And um, I didn't think I'd get it, but Steve was a blocker because most young captains would look at that and go, do I really want to go try to supervise Ohab? Yeah, for those of you that, <laughs> that Steve Ohab is legendary uh, in, the, in the department we worked for, uh, not only was he uh, one of the most respected uh, senior firefighters out there, he's actually my first senior firefighter, yeah. he was also known as a player coach Ohab. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Player, coach, referee. Yeah, yeah, yeah referee. referee. Yeah. Yeah, and referee. he was assembling his team, his green team. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why he wanted me to go there. And, and point I, guard. You yeah, point. and I, I, had, I had to have the, the honest conversation with Steve came, and I said, like, it's the second time he called me. And he goes, Kirk, you're going to put in? I said, I don't know, Steve. I'm pretty happy. You know, and I said, uh, you know, you don't – and I just – I'm going to be honest with you, Steve. I said, you don't have the best reputation as being somebody easy to supervise. I'm a brand-new captain. Yeah. And in a complete silence on the other end of the phone. Like, I can't believe that guy yeah, just fucking like, told me that. And, it, and he said, and I'm it was sitting news. there. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, whoa, <laughs> first time hearing yeah, this. Yeah, it's like, and I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm going to piss him off. But if not, I'm being honest with him. And, and I can never, I'll never forget what he, what he came back with. He said, just give me a chance. Hmm. That's all Steve said. And so I thought about it. I put in. And I'll tell you what, one of the best things I ever did because uh, – if Steve respected you and and was loyal, he was very loyal, but he was still a challenge at times to supervise. Right. But it was like, well, I'll let Nick supervise him because they're really close friends. <laughs> the and bear. Nick, and the bear was more of an adult than I was at the time, you know. Right. And so it was Price like. still is. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> just saying. I, just saying. Yeah. I, I would just look at Nick and Nick go like, okay, I, I got it. I'll talk to him about this one, you know. 
But uh, yeah, and that's that's where I went to uh, 13s, and then 42s opened up. The whole crew on B shift left and went to Station 50 to open it up. Gotcha. And uh, that whole station opened up, and we thought, if we're going to be this busy, let's go to a place that has more fire. You know, that was our whole motive, and a little bit closer to the house. And so we went there, and uh, the whole crew, and that's where you came. Yeah, in. that's what I showed up. I remember yeah. I, was, I was just graduating from the academy, and yeah. I got pulled aside, and they said. We're sending you to 42 because we think you can handle it. You're going to – because there's going to be a lot of things there that uh, we don't necessarily uh, – Yeah, you don't scar easy. Yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I was like – when they told me that, I'm like, eh, whatever. I'm like, I'll, I'll figure it out when I get there. So I went there for my uh, – the hell do we call that? Your, uh, your station. Yeah, your station day. And I, yeah. I, yeah, I talked to BP, and he told me the deal or whatever, and – I was like, these guys seem all right, and, and then uh, you know, Andy was was uh, was uh, was uh, telling me everybody was good, and I, and I still remember uh, Andy calling that one time to check up on me, and uh, you hang up with him. I'm like, I'm like, what do you say? He's like, oh, he, he said he's going to try and get you over there for his last rotation, and uh, I said, well, how are you going to do that? Because this is BLS truck, and your BLS truck. He's like, that retard's never going to be a paramedical. Get him over here. <laughs> and 14 years later, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> never, never been a medic. But that, honestly, man, like that station. Then I went to ladder twenty. You know, I went to engine three. Yeah. Like I had a phenomenal booty year. Like great yeah. guys. Like everybody. They were, even when I was at twenty, I certified those guys in like nitrox, uh, scuba mm. shit, and like just super cool people. And, like that for me, I was like, man, everyone's gonna be like this. And then I got out rover. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> not yeah. everybody's like these guys. Yeah. <laughs> like not even remotely close. I'm like. Yeah. What is going on around here? Like, you guys are the exception. Like, I'll tell a tr- quick story. Like, I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, got a call. Uh, I had my tennis shoes on, and usually, you know, the boots stay in the bay. And then got in the truck, and I forgot I left my boots in the bay. And I immediately told you, I'm like, hey, Captain, like, I forgot my boots in the, boots in the bay. You're like, no big deal, man. Like, on the next one, just do it. And we went to the call. Everything got done. And then phone rang when we got back, and someone was giving me crap about wearing tennis shoes on the call. And we kind of figured out. The rescue crew went and ratted on me or something, and uh, and uh, we went to the next call. And this is this is why this is where my trust and use was solidified. Mm-hmm. Went to that call. You special called that rescue, and uh, I'm taking a blood pressure. And Sneed Pig goes, "Hey, don't walk around the corner." I'm like, "What?" And then all I hear is, "You motherfucker! Have you ever <laughs> blah, blah 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 blah? That's my booter. If you got something to say to you, come fucking talk to me." And I was like. I'm gonna like this guy. <laughs> like this. This is like I, I think that was like week one. I'm like and like kind of like you said. Like hey man, like you had my back. Right. Like like totally had my back. I'm like man, this guy barely knows me. He's going out on a limb for me. You know, just right. off of what maybe somebody else told him about me. I'm like that guy like has my back. And like I made an honest mistake. And he has my back, man. I was like, from that down, like, I'll do anything for that guy. And then, yeah. you know, that's all. That's how it all kind of developed. Right. Tennis man. shoes. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, you know, and that that's the story that kind of just it it goes with what I, I learned. You know, through my years in the back seat and going to the front seat and working with guys like Ohab and Nick. You know, people people don't file citizen complaints because somebody's in a bad looking uniform. They file citizen complaint because. They don't get good service. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And I think we always provide a good service. Maybe we were a little bit on the edge, ratty-tatty, you know, that way. You know, just our appearance maybe weren't up to A-shift levels when it came to uniforms. Yeah. So so Bruno used to give the example of you go to a restaurant and you get shitty service. 
do you remember what the waitress had on? Yeah. No, you remember the shitty service. Exactly. And yeah. so, all right, we should we should look we should look right. reasonable. We should look. We should probably have something exactly. blue on. Exactly. Uh, but uh, do do what you're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you like like one thing about you that I appreciate too is that you gave a shit about the right stuff. Like right. you know when you sat me down to give my little booter speech on the first day, you're like, hey, here's the deal. I want you to work out. I want you to do this. Like whatever. Do your morning chores when that shit's done. Just, you know, work out twice a day. I don't give a shit. Like, after 5 o'clock, no special projects. And, like, that's, like, the time for you to, to hang out with us, for you know, for right. us to get to know you. And, like, I, 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 I do this to Booters now. And, and you know, your crew backed it up because Ohab told me, he's like, get out your book, sit, sit at the table. Mm-hmm. If you get past page one, I'm going to fucking punch your face because <laughs> we're watching a movie right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so I took that lesson from Ohab. I, I, I tell Booters that all the time. Like, yeah. Hey, man, don't get past page one. Yeah, like, you, you know, it's just that it's that whole thing is you know we'll make a big deal all the stuff that's supposed to be a big deal, um, and I, and my whole thing was what I was taught by Kenobi, and you know what other companies around you think, and there's no higher, you know, accolades given to an engine company or a ladder company by the other people, the other companies around you. Let's say you know, um, you know. We're in a profession, you know, we're all professionals, but for the layperson, for the, you know, let's say take a house fire, you know, you look at the work done at the fire, how much collateral damage did the house suffer? And, you know, good companies will do only the certain amount of collateral damage that they need to, to put the fire out, right? You've something you learned, Chris knows it, oh, yeah. but I just think when you, when you have a surrounding companies around you who can rely on you. If they're coming in and, and they've got a good firefight on their hands and, and maybe things are going south, that they're happy that you showed up because they know that things are going to get done. Yep. And that's, that's, that, that's that relying on each other and that reputation that we all learn and we all learn to develop. And it starts on an individual le- level like yourself. And, you know, when you get in your own company and you build on that reputation, you know. That's what we all get to learn, that process. Yeah, it's funny because, like, a lot of the stuff that, that, that is said in this room comes back to accountability. And that's oh, what you're saying. Accountability for self, accountability for your crew, accountability for those, you know, that are that are around your first do stuff like that. And, like, one thing, like, uh, that I always you, – you would say it all the time, man, like, you know, protect your first do. Yeah. Protect your first do. Protect your first do. And, like, that's something, you know, that I took with me. And, and not, not a lot of guys, you know, anymore – have that same mentality, like protect your first dude. And we had fun protecting that first dude. Remember when uh, thirty came over and and uh, and, uh, and and flopped the state or thirty three and, and and flopped the station when we were out getting yeah uh, on a call yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah. we came back and did the same to them. Yeah. That was a fun night. We stacked yeah. all their mattresses in the middle of the, <laughs> middle of the bay. Well, Stratus were out there. We were up anyways. Yeah. We knew we were going yeah. to bed, so we just you know, yeah. might as well have some fun. Yeah, we're getting up 45 minutes later. Hey, they called it out on them. Yeah. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't start it, but we ended it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. That was a good night. Yeah. No, and like those are the bonds that are built between crews and stuff like that. And Absolutely. Like, now I just think... Uh, things times are a little bit different for sure. Like you know, you don't have that cohesiveness, and I think, like I've always gotten along better with the older school guys anyway, because I, I think I'm just kind of an old soul or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like you know, those like, and I think a lot of you guys came from hard work and uh, like understood what it's like to put in the work because you came from hard jobs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like I don't, uh, I don't know how 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 many guys you know 
have that background or are willing to put in that hard work to get where they need to be. And like, that's one thing that you guys always did. And you guys always set that example for me. Like I was super fortunate to be there. You know, you guys kind of set the tone for my career. Well, you know, I think, I think Brandon, it's like, you know, being gone from the job now for three years and I still, I still, yeah, I still run into guys and I feel so disconnected from the department now. Me but too. I, but I, I, <laughs> I run into guys, and I got blood. I got two nephews that are still in a job, and then I have, you know, some really close friends, you being one of them, Chris being one of them, that guys who are still there, and you still care. And you, and you don't miss the job itself, but you do miss the guys. And, but I always ask people, you know, like when I see them, and it doesn't matter where they are in their career, you know, young people to older guys. It's like, hey, man, how, how's the fire compartment? I call it a compartment. Yeah, not not the job or the department because once you get away from it you realize that you really are in a compartment and you start looking at things that you thought were important while you were there and when you get away from it you just you shake your head and go I don't know why but that was it seemed at the time to be important right but when you when you break it all down and you think about what we have when we go into the job and what makes it so special is you know the fellowship we have you know Absolutely. that 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 bond we have but when I ask guys, you know, like, how's the fire department? It's like, it's changed. And, and what, I, what I've noticed is not taking any kind of spreadsheet because I wouldn't know how to work one, but um, it's Abacus, seems, maybe. Yeah, abacus? That's, what I, that's what I use, Chinese <laughs> abacus. But it seems like people in the middle of their career right now are talking about the change. And, and when you ask them, like, well, what's changed? And they really can't, they have a hard time putting their finger on it. But I think in, in, at the end of the day, when I look at it, is some of those people in that position have something to compare it to. And it comes back to leadership. And the leadership has changed, so there might be a change in philosophy. So they have something to compare it to. We're a new person on the job. They only know that leadership. Yeah. So that's, that, they, they just like, they're in a bubble. Plus and that's they're clueless. Fun. The yeah, first and, two or three and years are like, I'm just happy to find the station. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I'm there to go on calls and I'm going to be happy. And, and maybe they haven't really realized the grind, the yep. mental grind of the job yet. Oh, yeah. and, and I think we all get saturated at different points in our career where some element of the job becomes a true grind. Oh, yeah. You agree, Chris? Oh, completely and totally. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, and for some people, it takes longer than others to exactly. get into or figure that or feel that grind. And it depends on other factors in your life and all that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And, yeah. and you do need something to compare it to. Exactly. And so I'm not uh, – <laughs> it's kind of like society and the fire department mimics society. And, you know, everybody thinks back to the good old days in society and then the yep. good old days in the fire department. Well – Neither one was probably that magical, really, in the moment. It seems that it may be actually right now, but it was. We can identify the things that were really, really pretty good for us. Uh, in the Without first. a doubt. But those Bruno years seem to be, like, magical. Like, not just because of how he's represented in Arizona, but how he's represented across the country. Like, I, he, I was only around for, like, a year or a year and a half mm -hmm. before he retired or whatever, but, like... You just hear story after story after story after story after story. I mean, that guy seemed like a phenomenal leader, like like you know, guy, like a Dick Winters type guy. That, yeah. The 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 yep. the that he's going to lead from the front and say, "Follow me," and then right. you know, set that path for you. Right. Um, and he's not going to just just. And, uh, but what I will say is that if that's all you know, you typically, at least when you're young, you don't recognize. 
how valuable or how important or how cool that really is. Or I can just say for myself, I didn't fully yeah. grasp it. Um, uh, but I can certainly look at it now and go, oh, oh yeah, it's it's everything you just described. And it, and it legitimately was. Yeah. Yeah. And I was a little bit older when I got hired. I was 29 when I got hired. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know I wanted to be a fireman uh, until I was like, I'm ready to get out of corporate America or whatnot. So, but, so I had been around, you know, I had served almost 10 years in the reserves at that time, managed mm-hmm. in corporate America, the military, blah, 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 all that stuff like that. So I've, I had my, my uh, experience with good and bad leaders like all the way around. And the fire department's no different than, you know, right. than most industries. Um, sometimes you get a group of, of people that, that can definitely set a culture that isn't, you know, great for everybody. And I don't know if, if it's, it's if, if, if other departments experience that kind of stuff or if that's just a society thing or stuff like that. But I know for me that, that when I look at leadership and like Chris is a great example of it, um, he kind of did the same thing for me, like, you know, c- common theme. That when that when you find a good leader, you'll follow that guy mm-hmm. or you'll follow that that female forever. And like Chris went out on a limb for us in the in the uh, fitness program when he said, you know, every other chief before him was like, you know, don't no pay or cut pay or stuff like that. Right. And Chris said, what do you guys need? I'm here to support you. I believe in this thing. And everybody in that room, you know, heard that. And I said, hey, this is the first guy that's going out on, on a limb for us. Let's not make him look stupid. And ever since that day, man, it was. It, it was killer. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, and I, and I've told Chris this a million times. I'm like, he has leadership tangibles that would be successful in any arena, not just, not just in the fire service, but anywhere he went. Same thing with you. And I think that's why you, you guys are so well liked and so well respected by your peers along with, you know, people like me. It's just because you guys, you, you guys are great leaders because you guys display everything the great leader has accountability. You know, you lead by example. You back, you know, you back your men and women. You guys, you're reasonable. You're like willing to have a conversation. And on top of that, like you guys aren't afraid to drop the hammer. I think, you know, accountability, dropping the hammer, whatever you want to call it, that is a lacking thing. Not Mm -hmm. like in the fire service today, I think. And, you know, just across society, like when it's time to call bullshit, you guys will call bullshit. And that's, that's, that's something that a good leader has to do. It's not comfortable all the time, but you know, it's not. And, and, you know, and, you know, looking back on Bruno's days, and like I said, I didn't have a personal relationship with Bruno. Um, but I know the one thing, you know, that was always consistent with him was he was a great listener. The guy the guy took notes all the time. He had pencil and pad. He would always take notes and be writing stuff down. But he would listen to people, and he would, like I said, what Timmy told me, he believed in his captains about, because that's where the rubber met the road. And he and he wanted he wanted to support that. So when you look at Bruno, and I don't know if you can have a comparison between the current fire chief, because, you know, she she actually, she came in and relieved me when I was at Station 28 for a year and a half. Gotcha. And um, I had to get to know Kara pretty well. And, you know, I actually fought fire with Kara. And, uh, you know, I always say that she's, she is a caring person. Um, I think, you know, like anybody in that position, you get pulled in a lot of different directions. And I'm sure Bruno did at the same time, too. But when you looked at them, there were different times and different eras and different problems they both faced. When Bruno was a fire chief, he knew nothing but expansion, typically. The city was growing. The Phoenix 40 was kicked out. We got a city council in place. The union was involved in all that political stuff. We were paying zero dollars in fire. The city was paying zero dollars in firefighter pension costs. Right. Wow. 
And and in today you look at you look at the challenges facing what Chris just said, the biggest one we have probably in front of us, and uh, so different problems facing different things. But Bruno was always related to is because I think he had two boys and a daughter that came on later. Um, you know he was more of an ops chief than a fire chief. Bruno really stayed in the game when it came to. Um, what was going on out in the field? What what was the fire? You know, because he would show up all the time at big fires. Yeah, and that's awesome. Like, you know, and and it was a good morale supporter. It, you know, people noticed that. They took notice of that. They absolutely. I did. did. Unless he sure. was burning holes in the back of your head in the command. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I never got <laughs> to experience that, 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 it. I, yeah. my, my understanding is that that wasn't that, that always a good fun. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As John Hinton said, he he had a fire up at Metro Center. I remember one time, and he, and he goes after the fire. Because John's decision about how the how the operation went, and he said, "I gave birth to a short Italian fire chief," <laughs> and he goes, "And it wasn't comfortable." Yeah, I think if I remember John's story right, the exact words very quietly in his ear in the command van was, "Get those motherfuckers off the roof." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty pretty, yeah. pretty clear, yeah. pretty clear. That'll yeah. get your pretty, attention, yeah. but um, yeah, so. Um, yeah, and and he was, you know, he was he was an ops chief. He he really he he was clued in with the guys, and I don't know being on the job how it is now with Kara. If she shows up, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know what goes I, on. I've only seen her at captains meetings or whatever, but right. You know, and and that's the one thing that that uh, what the cool thing about Chris and I think a lot of people would say the same thing is like when when you talk to him, you don't know that he's that far removed from a fire truck. Like you, right. like like exactly. you never have have any idea. Exactly. Like, like this guy still, he still walks the walk, talks the talk. He's there. Um, right. I mean, Chris is. I mean, he's so involved with with, with so many other things too, uh, tactically stuff like that. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just right there. And 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 Chris makes the effort to uh, create groups to get uh, communication and conversation started to get critical thinking, thinking about like just all that stuff. So. Right. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't know that job either. I don't know, you know, how much free time is there to be able to do well, something like that. Well, I, I do want to say a little bit about that because I don't envy anybody who is coming after Alan. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I have a super uh, significant amount of empathy for Bob Gone. I have uh, um, empathy for Kara because there's a there's. There's a certain subset of the, the organization that are going to expect the same things. You have a different environment, and they're different people. I mean, we you, you, totally. you can't expect them to be the same person. Right. So that that's a that is a difficult challenge to navigate for anybody. I don't care who it was or who it is. So um, I they do uh, Bob and her always get a pass for for me with with regards to that to a certain extent, and yeah. then. Uh, um, but uh, and like any any organization, we have challenges, and we have challenges with with people, and we have challenges with leadership, and uh, it isn't always great, and it isn't always horrible. Uh, but um, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I can remember uh, uh, after I left 28 and promoted um, Tom Mahoney, who was my partner in the back seat. He he was in the same class that Con was in, and when Bob took took the fire chief's position, um, they were at a at a big call. And Bob saw Mahoney, and he walked up to Tim, to Tommy, and he started talking to him. And Tommy looked at him, and you got to appreciate Tommy's personality. I absolutely <laughs> do. Yeah, and he's honestly another one of the best firefighters I've ever worked with. He was phenomenal. Um, but he looked at Tommy, and this is the fire chief talking to a senior hoseman, and he looked at Tommy, and he goes, 
Tom asked me, he says, how's it going? How's the job going? And he shook his head and he looked at Tom and he goes, I don't know what the fuck I got myself into. That's <laughs> yeah, what, that's what sure. he told him. And that was when the economy was shitty. Um, you know, they were talking about laying off. And, you know, I mean, he was he was in a, in a difficult spot. And like Chris said, you know, it's easy to sit back and throw, you know, bricks in the glass building and make judgments. You don't know what's going on in their world, you know. Yeah. And, and I think that if anything, this comparison we talked about, we have something to compare it to is that, you know, it's easy to judge and it's easy to badmouth somebody or make a bad judgment, but maybe undeserving. So I think that's something that, you know, all of us have to look at personally, you know, that accountability not to do that. Heavy is the head, the where's the crown, they say. Exactly. Yeah. That's it right there, that's without a doubt. So you, you said you're a captain for 13 years? Yeah. So yeah. talk about some of your crews. I'm sure you didn't have as many uh, so as well. So it's kind of funny. It, being a captain was a little bit a similar pattern to as a firefighter. Because so when I got hired, I'm going right to B shift. Um, you couldn't get a spot on B shift to save your life. So I was a rover, a roving firefighter, a roving firefighter medic on B shift for six years, and I got my first spot. Uh, Did you permanent feel sad? spot on engine nine? <laughs> yeah, no, didn't feel sad at all. Did you I'm, feel sad that you didn't have a home. I'm having the yeah, no, no. I didn't. I didn't need any special treatment because it was, it was pretty fantastic, is what it was. They're giving uh, free hugs out. Yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't feel disowned. No, yeah. um, you get out of what you put in, I guess. Uh, but uh, I got my first captain, or excuse me, my first firefighter spot two weeks before we took the written test for the for, for cap. My, oh, jeez, written yeah. test in the captain's process. So, um, and that was engine nine. I'm like, oh, oh great. I, mean, I, I think if I would have gotten it earlier, there's a good chance I don't take that captain's test because that, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I got to work for Mark Gretto, and, and that's, I'd worked on the ambulance there. It was, it was pretty doggone good. His Broncos out there. <laughs> and I saw it when it's I came in. Yeah, I saw yeah. the pictures. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I helped uh, Red transit. Changed uh, David DeLisa and I helped Red change the transmission in that one shift. We did a full transmission swap in one 24-hour shift. Hashtag yeah. man skills. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That was yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. In between calls, it was yeah. pretty good. A little different now when guys are asking me if I can show them how to change their toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, different time, uh-huh. man, brother. Different time. Yeah, swapping trannies. <laughs> Can't change my toilet. Yeah, two bolts, guys. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was. Uh, and then I when I when I got promoted, I wrote for quite a while. And at that point, it was rather than just going to a different place every day. It was two months here, three months here, two months there. So so that was actually a good exposure. Spent three or four months, I think, on engine fourteen. Spent three or four months on it. Well, longer than that. Six months or so on Engine 18. Um, uh, oh, gosh, where else? My first permanent assignment was Engine 730 as a captain. Um, and that was right after new current Station 30 had opened. Gotcha. So uh, we just moved from, from across the street. And uh, so it was big, cool Taj Mahal at the time. Yeah. It was pretty. Yeah. It was really nice, in fact. Uh, so... Um, yeah, and then uh, and then the last captain uh, after that, I went to Engine Two. Um, I went um, downtown guy. Yeah, savage, I, uh, savage downtown. Oh downtown. yeah, so uh, I went. Well, I was an RTO in between that time, um, and uh, and then Dennis Hilburn actually went down to the academy to be the lead, and so there was an opening on Engine Two, and I got a call from Mark Huff, and I got a call from Steve Grunwald, and those two guys are pretty persuasive. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I went from Engine 730, which was the busiest company in the city that year, to Engine 2. I think we, I think, I remember figuring out I, I was like 1,800 calls a year difference. Wow. Uh, and uh, no difference in the paycheck. So yeah. it was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, young kids at the time. I'm like, okay, yeah. probably... Help me not be an asshole when I get home in the morning. Well, less of an asshole. Well, yeah, okay. I <laughs> modify my, yeah. how big of an asshole yeah. I am. Less of an and, asshole. Uh, so it, I, and your I, wife would always remind you of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, That's another thing Hover tell me. Because I don't give a shit how many calls we, we run or don't run. After midnight, when your wife asks, you did four. <laughs> <laughs> minimum. <laughs> minimum. Four yeah. after midnight. Yeah. It's like, because if not, you're going to have yeah. a list of shit when you get home. <laughs> yeah. shit, what you do. Exactly. you slept all night. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. the old lady. We got oh, four yeah. times. Yep. <laughs> Uh, oh, well, now, Dave, be careful. You're giving away all the secrets, man. That, that, and uh, well, now it's a busier time yeah, too. You know, yeah, that was 12 years yeah. ago. Yeah, back then, you never, you never ever talked about your longevity check. And oh no, longevity. What are you oh, talking about? No, no, don't no matter of fact, uh, I, I remember Mo almost caused a divorce with the with the Roberts <laughs> over that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, you didn't tell you didn't <laughs> tell anybody else you got a longevity that, check. That was hunting and fishing money. Yeah, yeah. for uh-huh. those of you listening, yeah. back in the day, they used to get a separate check twice a year, right? Yeah, it was after yeah. you had topped out, you know, in your in your pay structure, and then right. it was basic. It was based on your years of service. Yeah, after yeah, there was a, a certain amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, guys, guys would. Ha- it was a paper check that was sent, so they would they would have it, and sometimes their wives went their whole careers and they never knew they yeah. longevity. Yeah. Or they were playing cards for, <laughs> yeah. and you were betting your 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 uh, yeah. your longevity yeah. check. Yeah. For, I, I vividly recall getting my first. A longevity check at station nine and fred kohler offering to uh uh cash it for me out with the change out of the soda machine exactly it was that large <laughs> yeah it was big it was fat yeah. i'm sure that's a lot of hunting equipment was oh yeah throughout the year yeah road trips it was yeah that was a nice little nice little bonus yeah well, that guys will look forward to well that. i never well, probably for you it was bikes, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, but mine never got that big <laughs> before they went away. So. Like, oh, I can buy a new. I can do two new tubes for my bike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'd be awesome. And then, so then, from there, you said you're BC. Like, um, did you always want to go up the chain as a chief? Mm, I, I did not have any like formula or plan or like structure. Um, I just started doing stuff that I was interested in and started. Uh, and, and so I had no real, well, I take that back. I guess when I went to 7:30 was the heyday of for us operationally and the command training and that kind of stuff, because the North deputy guys who moved into station 30 mm-hmm. after I got there were Nick and, and, and John Hinton and, and Terry Garrison. And um, so I got like a front row seat to watch that thing unfold. And, and, and the, <laughs> You know, coming back from a call at two in the morning, and Nick sitting in his computer, still you know hammering stuff out, and them figuring things out and teaching and all that, uh, I was like, hmm, that's a pretty cool job. And uh, so I started paying attention at that point, and then uh, uh, and then Chief Huff, um, well Captain Huff at the time, got a wild hair, and he decided he was going to take the battalion chief's test, and got promoted and sent to battalion one or battalion eight or I, I don't know, I don't remember. It was we went to oh we were actually running out of of fire admin um, oh. at the time um and uh and he said hey will you come drive for me uh, that's what he had just the left the first one. time i saw you cause, yeah because we had a drill in downtown I'm oh like, okay Who is this yeah. six foot eight redhead yeah guy? <laughs> it looks angry <laughs> 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 <It was>. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah uh 
Yeah, more than likely that was me. Uh, and so uh, we uh, yeah went and then working for Mark, I was like, yeah, I, I really like this. I like I like going to calls, doing doing the stuff that you need to do, and and then quite honestly, you know, Mark Mark was fantastic for the stuff you guys were talking about earlier, figuring out what's important and what isn't important. Yeah, yeah. One of the most valuable skills that. A oh. firefighter can learn, that a person can learn, quite honestly, but yeah. firefighter, and then as you promote, knowing that really matters because you, you, can, you can stay out of a lot of stupidity if you really, nope, yeah. these, are the, these are the non-negotiables and everything else I can, yeah. I can work around. Yep. I, I had very good examples of that along the way. Bob Ketterer, who's now retired too, is, mm-hmm. is another captain that, that, that I learned a lot of stuff from. Very mellow, very cool, very laid back. Mm-hmm. And then I got to see the complete antithesis of that, which, which was Lance uh, Christensen in the same station. Oh, yeah. Those guys yeah. couldn't be more opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember sitting sitting next, I was I think I was sitting in the middle of them having breakfast one morning. And Lance is just going, you know, he gets going and like, oh, my man, my man, my brain, my this, my that, my that, whatever, and he's like, I, I got all these thoughts in my head. And like Bob Carey looks here, he goes, bro, they're just thoughts. And I'm like, I'm like that's, that's my guy right there, right there. They couldn't be any different. Um, when you got training, was that what, you know, was that what you wanted? Because you did a lot to change, because for me, that's like, I think the time you came into training, that's when we started kind of doing things or talking about things differently as far as fire dynamics and stuff like that. Like, a lot of people um, started changing their ways about how they thought about stuff. Like, like did you go in, into that position because you saw an opportunity to make us better or, like... like no, uh, like most things in my life, it wasn't up to me. Right. Um, so, uh, I was working at EMS. I was on vacation with my family in Colorado, which we, you know, we did every summer. And uh, and I get a phone call from Kara. She was, I think she was the interim fire chief at the time. I think Bob had just left. And uh, she says, uh, I'd like to move you into the, the into the director of training position. So at the time, they called it director of training. So you had the training academy, you had the command training center, and then ultimately ended up with EMS training and special ops training and, and uh, driver's training. Um, and, uh, so no, wasn't even planned. I had no, 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 uh, I, I, I honestly didn't have much ambition to go and do anywhere else. I really just wanted to go be a battalion chief. Really? And yeah. That's, that, that would have been, and I think I could have rested very, very comfortably being a battalion chief and, and, and not, and not doing anything, but being as productive as I possibly can. But I could have been very, very happy just being a battalion chief. Cause since I've known you, I'm going to have to call bullshit. Cause since I've known you, you've been a pretty productive guy. Like yeah, you, you, well. you got your hands into like the high school mountain bike racing league. Like you, like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're like me. You're not just going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. I'm like, yeah, bullshit. Well, I think that would, I think that would have, I would have <laughs> nice found try. plenty of things <laughs> right. to keep myself busy, but right. I could have been, you know, I didn't, I wasn't looking for a, a higher spot or a position or, or or that kind of advancement. No, I was looking for like things that. to do. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Like 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 opportunities to become better. Yeah. So I thoroughly dug doing. Uh, at that point, uh, we had spent a lot of time on the high rise stuff at Battalion One. Um, you know, three solid years of trying to to make something out of that uh, and build on what some really smart guys had started with, and then. Um, uh, and then I got the chance to do fireground survival and that showed up and they said, Hey, we need somebody to kind of hold, you know, uh, organize this and, mm-hmm. and make sure that it, 
we can deliver it to everybody. And uh, so doing those two things, I'm like, I could just keep doing this type of stuff all the time. It's fun, it's interesting, and it actually matters to the job. The, yeah. And the, the, the exactly. companies like it, the individuals exactly. like it. It, it, it helps us be better. So, yeah, I could do that. But you, you so I had no plan. Your personality to me strikes, strikes me as a guy that you're a fixer. Come in, revamp something, fix it up, get it running. Yeah, and you talk like, to my wife just how good I'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. then, then it's like, you know, what's next? You know, uh, I, I, I agree with you on that, Brandon. Chris is, Chris is a, he's been in a lot of different positions and a lot of different places on the job. And, you know, a lot of those places, wherever it went, there was, might have been a little bit in disarray or out of order. And yeah, it, for and sure. It, and, it, and it needed it needed a common sense guy to come in and kind of get it rolling again. And Chris seemed to be the guy, man. He was always put in those positions. And usually when he came out of it, it was better than when he entered it, you know, so. Yeah, because you love the fire service. Like, you know, you. I mean, if I, I'm going to go so far as almost yeah. to call you a fire nerd. Like, you love it. Like, like yeah. you're. Yeah, I'll own it. Yeah, like, I'll own it. Yeah. yeah, you love it, man. Like, and, and I love it, but your love is like. 15 times more than yeah. mine like like you you live it you breathe it like you're on you're on special boards you know where you're traveling across the country to, to go to ul experiments with those guys like you know and i don't think a lot of people know but you've been publishing like fire engineering and stuff like that like you love like you're for me and i don't know anyone right now in our department that is a better ops guy than you because you have the experience, like what did what? When did you go to nine eleven? Like were you a captain? Were you a chief? I was a captain. Like, I think uh, so. We got promoted in what ninety nine two thousand. Yeah, for me. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was right after the first of the year in two thousand for us. And um, uh, yeah, we. So I had been a captain for maybe a year, year and a half, a little over a year and a half um, when it happened. So uh, it. Uh, yeah, and uh, so Mike Mike Worrell got me into that a long time ago, and that first civilian job I had uh, got me into that that communication world again. No skills, I just um, had a, had a reasonable work ethic, I guess. So uh, yeah, went to nine eleven as a comm specialist, and ended up doing um, uh, yeah, ended up doing um, technical search because somebody got hurt, and so spent a lot of time on the pile running a. Got a 15-minute lesson on how to run the uh, the, the search camera, mm -hmm. and then okay, then that's yeah. what we're gonna do. Go. Do you have any uh, any adverse effects from being on the pod? Because you guys were there for a while. Yeah, we were there for a couple weeks. I yeah, no, I no, I, I well, <laughs> not yet. I'll just say that. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I don't know too many who have, people have actually worked there for any extended period of time that haven't come down with something. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Nah, I don't, because don't they, don't they like isn't mandatory if you guys do like a yearly check, lung check, stuff like well, that? Well, we do our physicals and then the the major well, I think all of us are we're 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 in the, the nine eleven registry and we're we're part of the uh, uh, the nine eleven health um, the the nine eleven health system. So um, in fact I'm actually getting ready to go back to New York City to do my my, my medical eval so they establish a baseline and then and then, uh, you know, and then if we develop issues later that they, uh, they, it, it's like a supplemental insurance. Gotcha. So, and, and it's weird, it's weird from a guy from Arizona, uh, to talk about that because I felt really weird because there were, there are, there are FDNY guys and, uh, NYPD guys, uh, Port Authority, all those folks that spent months and months and, and probably years working there. They deserve whatever benefit 
is going to come their way because they're all going to get sick. I, I, I have to believe, and uh, unfortunately, and uh, I don't necessarily. I I never personally felt like that's for them. That ain't for us. But uh, they're pretty insistent on all of us being in it. So anybody who responded from any of the USAR task force or anything like that are part of that program yeah kudos to congress finally stepping up and getting that funded for yeah. Per permanent yeah um, i watched that dennis leary clip yeah the man and i think yeah. that, was, that was a police detective yeah. that spoke already yeah, yeah. yeah. Detective alvarez yeah yeah that yeah. was a sad deal super sad deal those guys put a lot on the line yeah for i sure. yeah they're just well they're, they're dropping like flies they, I think they said uh, so. They lost three forty-three on September eleventh, and they're well over two hundred right now that have died from, I th just the FDNY guys that have died from nine eleven il illness since. That's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. As far as Bruno goes, like, since since you had a personal relationship with him, like, tell us some stuff about him and the man he was and the leader he was and how he could make this place better today if he was still around or. Um, so, yeah, I, I you know, Kirk talked about it a little bit. He, he, <laughs> his big deal is he cared about the work that firefighters do and, and the, the, the job itself and what we did and how we did it and, and doing a good job. And, you know, for crying out loud, he, uh, for the, in fire service terms, he invented customer service. That was not a, mm -hmm. that wasn't, that was not a conversation piece. That wasn't, they were either fire victims or they were patients. They were never customers. Well, they, they became customers to yep. us. Um, and then, um, so he was big into that, and then he was big into uh, fitness, wellness, that type of stuff. You know, so he's a big, you know, he was a big weightlifter guy way he back was? in the day. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so uh, that was kind of uh, kind of his thing. That's what he liked. You know, short, strong guy. They're built to. To yeah. bench press heavy things. I got a dad, right? Yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah. So, uh, and that, that, that's definitely him. And um, and and that's actually how I got introduced him because that's what my dad did uh, oh, as a business. That's where that came yeah, from. So, uh huh. So, uh, did your dad sell like weights? Yeah, yeah. He manufactured weight equipment and uh, and sold that to well, the fire department was a pretty decent customer. Hmm. It's actually his biggest uh, customer was the Department of Corrections. Believe that or not, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> definitely, the guys I don't. I don't think. It. I don't think they buy that much stuff anymore. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so more. Yeah. I'm buying more aluminum for license plates. Yeah. And stuff like <laughs> train. That train them to be better criminals and a lot stronger. <laughs> yeah. Come at it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sounds Come like a good plan. Jacked. <laughs> yeah. So uh, sounds like the fire department. <laughs> yeah, very similar. Yeah. Very similar. Fire department in the '80s. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so like, so the innovations that I know of, uh, or that I think are cornerstones in my, that I, in my career and, you know, that benefited all of us is the health center. Um, that actually, that's actually, what he's doing. Oh yeah. He yeah. did that, built the health center and, uh, actually, uh, Jim Shamadan, Mike, Mike Shamadan's dad and, uh, another doc that they were friends with and had worked with together, um, were the first physicians, were the first fire department physicians. And yeah. there was a city health center. Um, that was um, that basically all the city workers went to the postal workers the you know you name it uh, they went there uh, Bruno was like I want to do this in house I found these two gentlemen and they were like yeah we'll do it and so what happened um, to Shamadan well so smart um, so <laughs> we'll go, yeah so yeah and then you meet his brother and his sister they're really really smart too yeah. so I, I don't know you know we we joke about Mike. 
being the slowest sham down. I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, he, he's aware of it, so I'm not talking out of school now that I've said it. It's amongst friends. Yeah, exactly. So, Sorry, yeah. Chief. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, uh, so the health center. Uh, you know, one of Bruno's famous quotes is, uh, "Forever we were taking better care of our fire trucks than we were our firefighters." So health fitness sem- uh, uh, center. Then we would have symposiums and, you know, we would have these national conferences where people would come in and talk about health and fitness and wellness yep. for firefighters. And so we're talking like my first before and my first years on the job. So the early 90s that this mm-hmm. stuff, this conversation is going on and and the we're still having similar conversations today. Yeah, so cancer talk pretty- is big now for wellness, but like as far as fitness goes, like I've never like I've never thought uh that the fire service has been big on actual accountability for fitness. Like in the military, you take a PT test at, like every month, no matter what, like, yeah. you know, based yeah. off of your age, um, uh, your gender, stuff like that. Yeah. And like where fire, you work. Yeah. All that stuff. So the fire service has never been there. Like, and I've just, you know, from being a coach and being around stuff, I'm like, you know, fitness is a tough thing because you have to have, you have to hold people accountable f- like for their fitness. And like, I think, I think you guys would agree that the number one thing we do is, you know, physical. So if, like, you don't have that physical ability to go out there and get it on for 30 or 45 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, when it's hot as hell and you're fighting fire, like, in a snowsuit, um, it's just, I just, that's that's one thing that's always blown my mind. But, you know, wellness side, I think we do a decent job at that. But, but, but as far as, like, injury prevention and um, actual fitness, like, stuff like that, we're just, we... We we did an okay job of it, I think, in in the academy for a while, but it just it's something that's never been like treasured. I don't know why, but yeah. I, so I I'm gonna I'm gonna take a wild guess in here to say that wave's gonna that wave's gonna come back. We're gonna get back on top of that that sine wave uh, in in that because I think it is important and it, it does yeah. matter. And there's there's national pushes, but we can make a push inside our at least our organization to be able to do that more and better. And, and yeah, New York Fire seems to do a pretty good job. Um, supporting their their fitness initiative um, through through funding and stuff like that, and I think that's the biggest thing. You have you have a lot of guys that are elite athletes of 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 of, uh, of something, or they have the training background that you know that you you don't use use those guys enough to actually make it better. Um, yeah, and I think it's also interesting how the attitudes of us in, inside our organization or any organization can actually impact our physical fitness and that type of stuff. So we've we've uh, the fire service in general and the Phoenix Fire Department and uh, specifically for the last, what, well, since 2008, right? We've been feeling some type of constraint, some type of financial constraint, right. some type of organizational budgetary constraint, downsizing less with or do more with less, you know, that type of stuff. And uh, that impacts attitudes and those attitudes and directly, I think, have something to do with with uh, our willingness or, or desire to be to be fit and to manage the, those certain things, and we're we're focused on the negative aspects rather than really focusing on what the positive aspects of the things that we that we should be doing and the things that are good for us, the right. things that will keep us healthy. When you know we're sitting like Kirk three years past the past the time to stop. That's so. Yeah, he came in sweating today. I'm like, he just came off the mountain. Yeah, he's working like, out. You know, right. He's been retired yeah. for three years, and yeah. like, still getting it on. It's like it's hot as hell out today, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, I, and I think it's it's just a learned behavior. And, you, and like Chris was talking about, you know, buying into it is, you know, it doesn't stop when you when you retire, but you, you've bought into it, and you know how much better it makes you feel. But 
you know, being on the fire ground, and we've all been there, you know, we're getting our butts kicked, you know, and you're seeing the dots, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I'm glad I'm in some kind of a program. And yeah. like Chris saying, the department coming back to revisit it, I don't know how you can stick your head in the sand and not. It's just, it's not conducive to being safe. Yeah. But being safe on the fire ground, you know. Because we're, because I tell people all the time, like we're paid, we're, we're paid off worst case scenario. That's where we're paid off. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely, we're, we're not paid we're insurance for insurance policy. Hundred percent. Hey man, you can't sleep here or stuff like that. Like like you pay us that when your dad has a heart attack, we bring our A game and right. we're there. Or 100%. when something's burning and it's July right. and it's 110 right. degrees outside with high humidity, like right. that, that I'm going to go in there and, and be able to do what I need to do for you and and your family. Right. And like for me, back to the uniform thing, I'm like to me, what's worse? A guy that his shirt's not tucked in, or or, or a guy that, that his guts hanging over his. He can't his tuck hands. it in, yeah, because he they can't yeah. go in long yeah. enough to yeah. get you know to get around his blow. But that's one of the yeah. questions. Why I are you guys looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> You're chief now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's a, that's one of the I, toughest questions for me to answer. When like, yeah. people are like, "How come there's all those fat firemen at the store?" I'm like, "Oh god, like, yeah, how do I answer this question?" Um, it's because they're hungry. Yeah, yeah exactly. Basically. Yeah, it's 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 an important deal, and I and I can remember, kind of when you know the the fitness program was evolving, and we mm-hmm. had conversations, all three of us, yep. and you know Chris was brought in because there were some things that maybe were just need to be reeled in and need Absolutely. to be adjusted. Yep, and they were, and it's still a great program. Uh, it's it's not a pushover to go in there. You just got to remember those kids when they when they come in. You tell them to run through the wall. They're going to run through the wall. Yeah, and they'll do it. They'll put on the, their gear and never have it, had never worn it before, and they'll just go right at it. But well, and we also have <laughs> we as firefighters are famous for being experts about something we've never actually seen firsthand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just yeah, without an introduction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I know exactly what's going on. Yeah, I oh, saw that. Oh, you do. Yeah. Now yeah. it's worse because there's because there's YouTube. <laughs> I've never seen you there. Yeah. But, you know, going back to, you know, being being an RTO in that class, and, you know, I'm 54 years old going down to the academy. I was going to say, not yeah. a day under 65. I, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't a young chicken anymore. But, but uh, you know, you go down there, and what was so cool about it was you guys had already gotten those – candidates ready for the class they yeah. were ready to go we set the tone oh, we, yeah. without a doubt yeah, we they, the they were ready to go and so as hard as i could push them which wasn't nearly as hard as what you guys pushed right. them those those guys were that part was so easy to deal with because they they were well they, so you guys well, so they're set up skills. yeah they're set up yeah. to learn right yeah, yes they're not worried about whether am i aerobically or anaerobically that's not even to on do the plate to them yeah yeah, yeah. all ready. i got to do is be able yeah. to figure out what you're asking me to do yeah and then, like, back to your point, like, you know, we don't have a lot of construction workers or people that, that have a hard job. Right. So, like, some of those, like, some of they've never really worked hard, not mentally tough. And, like, part of that program was to, you know, get them get them mentally ready. Like, hey, yeah. like, you have to know, especially in, in our job or, like, in the military, if, if, if you're out there fighting, you have to know where your dark spot is at. Like, you have to be able to take yourself into deep water. Where's your threshold? Like, oh, shit, exactly. this is some deep water. Like, how am I yeah. going to react now to this? Yeah. Because... If something does right. happen on the inside and you've never been pushed that far, not a good thing. Not a good thing. And and the other important part is you have to have people down there like yourself and the group of guys that were down there who could take you to that threshold but realize that they're to that point right. and you can pull them off. And yep. you can say, hey, okay, how do you feel? 
How did, did was there any warning sign? You started feeling. Yep. Okay. Now remember this because mm-hmm. when you go out in the real world, it's going to happen to you. Oh yeah. I don't care who you are. You're going to get that same thing. So instead of becoming a liability, now they already know. Hey, you know what? I got to back down. I got. I have. I don't want to go any further. Yep. I can't go any further, and I'm not going to get into trouble. Yeah, because on the fire ground, like, you can't take an ear temperature. You can't take no. an EP. Like, we did you all that stuff. To, you have to, like yeah. you said, you have to be at that, that dark spot. You have to be at that threshold. And it, and it's it's how many times can we introduce that to you? But how are you going to remember it? Yep. You know? Because so, uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And it, it, it actually made teaching recruits easier when they're, when they're ready to roll physically. Amen. Um, and then the other part of it is, is they're getting introduced to the culture of the organization. They're getting introduced to accountability to people who are going to be their peers in a short period of time, whether they recognize it or not, you know, the recruits. Um, but the peer fitness folks are going to be their peers because they're typically young people on the job for the most part. Uh, they're motivated to be there. They're not there for any other reason than they right. like to be there. Right. Um, and so two what things. What do you mean? We're crushing it. We're, we're making so much money down there. Yeah, the Brinks truck, yeah, <laughs> that, that left every day. Right. For, the, for the two years we worked completely for free. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. So, Greedy bastards. I know. Yeah. Well, but so the other, but the other side of that for me is, and the, the thing that I took pretty seriously when you know we talked about oh, yeah. me engaging with the with the PFTs because that was one mm-hmm. of the, my favorite things to do, is then it was I felt as if it was my responsibility now to teach them how because I felt like okay you're all going to be bosses someday and you're I, I know you're going to be senior firefighters if you aren't already right now right so. How you treat people, you can have really, really high standards, but how you treat people, how you teach them, you are teaching them how to behave later. You're teaching them how to be company officers later. You're teaching, so if mm-hmm. RTOs or, or PFTs, if, if we're assholes right now, then these guys, when they're in this position, they're going to be assholes. Yeah. And so it, the, the best part about it is I never, ever felt as if uh, – the PFTs and the RTOs, quite honestly, at least around me, uh, ever gave me any pushback about that, and mm-hmm. they were they were very willing to to to, to bite into that and and uh, you know and act that out. So yeah. that's uh, those guys wanted to make people better, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. Because yeah. we knew like we would have you next to us on a truck someday, and unfortunately, there's some that came through that program and came through the carrier like. Right. I don't know if I want you next to me one day. Maybe just me. Like you might have to sit on this truck when right. you know, when the shit hits the fan or something right. like that. But you know. But I think generally speaking, like most and and if and if you talk to red shirts or guys that came through that program, they're better off for going through that program. Was it the easiest thing out there? Absolutely not. Right. But the best things in life are never easy. No, you have to work for it. Yeah. And so, hey, man, we did the we we did the exit interviews. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know exactly what they what they thought of the the program. Right. And they didn't. They weren't in a position where they they were in a disadvantageous place when they had to kind of you know bullshit right. their way right. through about what what the RTOs did or what the what the pair fitness guys did. And they fantastic reviews. Hell, if you yeah. If you, if we all had individual Yelp accounts, uh, right. we'd fun, you, you'd mm. like the shit people were writing or saying <laughs> about you uh, or or the the PFTs and RTOs right. that way. So yeah, that's good. So yeah. as far as leadership goes, like there's probably gonna be a lot of people listening to this that, that aren't haven't promoted yet or and that stuff. Like, what advice do you guys have for leaders 
potential leaders and even current leaders that, that are in positions because uh, just because sometimes someone promotes doesn't mean they're ready for that promotion or they have the education training or background to be able to do that position well. Like, what are your guys' advice for, um, you know, new leaders and current leaders and, and how they can become better? Because I, I know you guys got something to say about that. Yeah, you go ahead. You, you know, I think I, I probably touched on it a little bit earlier talking about uh, Kenobi, and that's the guy that comes to my mind. But there were certain traits that I wanted to, you know, learn from Tim, and I wanted to mimic Tim, and I wanted to be like him. So, you know, I had a mentor, and I had somebody to look up to. And some of the traits that Tim always demonstrated to me was his consistency in walking the walk and not just talking it. But he was very consistent. You know, when Tim came to the firehouse, and he was he was involved, he ran the union hall when we had one. So he was a busy guy. But he always made an effort to be at the fire station. He's present. Yeah. 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 That's, that's key, and, be present. And, and, that's, and he wanted to be there because he liked being there. And it was not a secondary thing. No. It yeah. was his priority. And he, he always looked at it like going, okay, he understood the work. And when you take a guy out the truck, one person... The work becomes harder when you got to get to work, when you have to get it on. Oh, yeah. And Tim was never a radio captain. Dude, the, the radio got put away, and Tim went to work. He turned right back into a firefighter. And he wasn't just talking on the phone, you know, trying to make a presence. Man, you know, I mean, he would talk on the radio when he needed to. Right. But it the was, rest of the time, It was he, just a tool. Yeah, he was, he was hands-on. And that's what, I, that's what I loved about Tim was he, he was a firefighter's captain. Somebody you respected because he had done the work and he hadn't gotten away from the work. And, you know, that's I, I love that about the guy, his consistency, and he truly cared about his crew. And he cared about the department. He demonstrated that, showed that every day, every shift. And so, you know, that's that's probably one of the things that sticks out for me and trying to talk to young guys is that, you know, it is a process. It's a hard, tough process. We've been through it. Um, you know, there's parts that just simply suck, but it's a competitive process. And, uh, you know, I can remember some guys telling me, man, don't let it change you. It's the strangest process I've ever been through. It, like, it, I've it, been through all kinds of promotional stuff in the military yeah, and like corporate America. It is, it is, it is, it is it's a different animal. And I just think that, you know, a lot of people going into, let's say, the captain's promotional process, um, there are certain parts that they don't get. And I don't know if they'll ever get it. But I don't. I think the department goes out of the way to explain it, and I'll and I'll go back to where Chris, when he was involved in the captain's testing process, about how open and how fair he was about, let's just say, the tactical portion of the of the test. And they, they guys, this is what we're going to ask you. And right. there was no hidden agenda. It should never be a mystery. And it wasn't a mystery. And if you paid attention, but like I said, there's people. I took his class. But well, I, he, almost, he almost failed me because I could have three absences, and I think I had four. <laughs> it's a good thing I sucked at taking yeah. roll. <laughs> One of my first questions was, how many classes can I miss and I can still pass this thing? <laughs> well, you're on B-shift, so that, yeah. you know, there you go. <laughs> But I, I just think that that's, that's probably, um, you know, the, the, the people who don't understand that, don't get it, I don't know if they ever will, do you, Hon honestly. Do you think because they weren't mentored correctly, they had the wrong mentors, bad coaching? just So I'll tell you what I think. Uh, and one thing that I've, I've, I've struggled with and, and, and I think we worked hard to correct it was we do a lot of leading by example. 
And I don't think that's a bad thing. But it's then but then we expect somebody else in a testing process like you're talking about to explain it. Well, and it might never actually or or, mm-hmm. or very lim- in a limit very limited way actually explain to you. Right. So, you know, you if it, if you're around me for more than 10 minutes in a teaching environment, I, w- I will say, you know, we, this is, it's kind of like the definition of pornography. I, I can't, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Well, that's the, that's kind of the way we've done our leadership stuff. Yeah. And it's, 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 it sucks yeah. a little bit. So how do you actually explain it? How do you actually teach somebody to be a good leader? So you have to be able to break it down. You have to understand it right. to a certain extent. Well, you're responsible for getting like the supervisor training course and stuff set up, right? Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And and again, that came from. But uh, there was nothing new about that because previous in previous uh, iterations of the organization, we taught supervisor training. It was a class at the college, and, mm-hmm. and <laughs> not yeah. for not for my testing process. Well, no, yeah, and it wasn't. So it went away, and and so there was this there was this w- weird switch organizationally, and I don't. I think it was simply due to inattention. It wasn't nefarious or anything like that. But we went away from educating people about the job. To educating people about the test, yeah, and that that that's no good in my book because that doesn't teach you how to yeah, do don't anything. Study for the test, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so we, you, we we have to we had to and we tried to do a better job of explaining what that actually is, not just well, you see, he does it. Well, all right, well, what is it that he does? Right. What is it that right. Tim did? Right. What is it right. that you know and, and, Mark, Mark Credo did? For and there me, you and, and then again, it's like. Who's paying attention? Are you are you actually paying attention when you go into work? You know you got a job, but how much are you looking past your immediate duties? You know, and and like trying to expand yourself, right? It, it, trying to gain knowledge is like it's hard to pay attention when you're having a really good time. It is, I, well, and I, I, and I, I think so we all get lost in. I did. <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm so busy cleaning in the morning that man, I can have yeah, yeah. It's like Jeff Zentek telling me, "Hey, their captain says coming." Like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> what is that? Do, do do I have to be an engineer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is this? And that's a Does time you have to be an engineer. <laughs> so you you were consistency and being present. Like what what. What do you think these these younger guys are, or like even these new, new newly promoted chiefs and captains stuff like that? Like like what's your advice to them to becoming like a better leader? Like school education, training outside of the fire department. Like oh, that hundred percent matters. Education hundred percent matters. Um, uh, but that application of the education matters. So Absolutely. whatever to whatever level of education you actually get, because we don't truly have a standard of, you you know, you need to get to a certain level in any of our promotional processes. Which is weird. Is that, like, because I've talked to guys, I do a little pajama wrestling, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and there's a lot of guys from other cities that are chiefs and some are captains, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of cities, man, you can't even test to be a captain, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with. Um, yeah. Uh, unless you have a bachelor's degree, and then if right. like you're going to pass, and I think almost all of them pass BC, you have to have a master's degree to be a deputy or an AC or something. Yeah, like we're, that. we're we are absolutely in the minority. I'm not saying whether that's good or bad. Yeah, but we right. are in the minority right. with, with regards to that, uh, the educational requirements. You know, um, but yeah, so that education does matter. Um, there's there's a couple things though, and you guys have already touched on it. Is so we're here to do work, right? And right. the work of the fire department is running calls. And the work of the fire department is is going to fires, going to medical calls. Now we're 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 deep in the special operations. We're we're going on these complex, crazy, violent incident calls now. Uh, and so 
you have to, you actually have to appreciate and respect the work and you absolutely mm-hmm. have to appreciate and respect the, the workers, the people who are actually doing it. Right. So if you're going to be a frontline boss on a, on a fire company, you better be, you better understand the work, you better be competent at it, and you better respect what's going on. Um, and that puts you in a way better position to actually lead the people that you're supposed to lead. So comp- be competent. Yeah, right. competent. And then uh, credibility matters. It does. Right? So What about listening? Yeah, yeah. Uh, listening is huge. And, you know, Kirk talked about our old fire chief being a really good listener. He was a fantastic listener. but he And he loved to ask you questions mm-hmm. so he could listen to what you had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, you have to be able to listen. You have to consciously do it. It's not easy. You want to talk. You want, you know, you, you sometimes you want to correct things or impart knowledge or all that. But it's... but. Uh, at least personally, I learned so much when I could just sit and listen. Even if I don't have to be directly engaged, I can just sit and listen to a conversation. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> Kitchen conversations, man, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're actually socially valuable. Right. Uh, not most, not most of the time, <laughs> yeah. but just sometimes. Depends on what shift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. So, uh, but anyway, those those two things, and then um, uh, I, I <laughs> yeah, being it, you you can't get away from being good at the job, and if you if you you can't act as if all of the extraneous su- the support the things that support us going on calls are not our job they are so incredibly important uh you know uh <laughs> world war ii we don't win world war ii without without uh the best logistics plan ever developed in right. the military yep. right mm-hmm. we, don't, we, we flat out do not yep. so we can't do anything without the support that it takes yeah. to do this stuff it matters. It's valuable, but it is not the most important position in 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 any fire department. Right. Delivering the service is the most important, and if you're going to be good at it, you're going to be safe. You're going to be effective. You have to give a shit about the people that, that, that live in your community to a certain degree, um, or you have to be fantastic at acting as if you give a shit about them. Um, and that's, then that's where I fall. That's my well, and, and, and you know what? And that's a that's a super valuable skill because you cannot. Care and and love every single person you in your community. It's hard. Told, yeah, you just <laughs> tell the guys on the truck, hey, let's let's act this out 15, 20 minutes, and, and then right. let's get off the call. Right. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, and then you can talk really crazy. And you can't, but that's part of the grind. That's what we're talking about. There, there's there's a grind out there. The same person fifteen times in a month. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the good ones will fake their way through it. Oh yeah, and uh, and that's why there's four of us, right? And when yeah. one of us are, we're Saturated. like, no, I'm yeah. not, I'm not yeah. gonna. Yeah. Uh, okay, the other three, <laughs> man, yeah. you you go outside. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah um, so what about patience. So, like nowadays, since since the baby boomers are starting to retire, like a lot of retirements, like all across country, like 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 other departments, I see a lot of guys, even in at at. At uh, the younger levels, not wanting to put the time in the position, um, you know, there's that number that they throw out there about ten thousand hours, you know, to become yep. proficient. I don't know if I yep. necessarily buy that. Depending on the job, yeah, I think that's true. And the individual too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the learning yeah. curve. Me on probably each twenty thousand hours. Yeah. You yeah. probably eight. So, yeah. Yeah. Faster. Yeah. <laughs> faster that yeah. way. Yeah. I'm like slobbering on myself. Here. Yeah. Like, so, but like i don't know why people want to make that jump so fast like you know they become a captain and, and they want to be a bc right away or they're a bc then they want to be a deputy chief it's like hey man like there's something to be said about sitting in that seat and learning that job or learning multiple as- aspects of, the, of that job before you move on to do something else yeah. 
Because I, how are you ever getting those experts? I agree. And, and, and just for me personally, through my career, um, I, I have to say just, just watching the best captains and the best BCs I ever saw or worked with, had the pleasure of working with, spent some time in the back seat. They weren't, they, they tried to learn that position. And, and so saying that is that I think some of that we talk about is, can be attributed to peer pressure. Like you graduate with your class and you hear this guy's going to take the test and you're going like, that buffoon? Because we've all <laughs> said that, right? Come on. Never. never He's not that. ready for that. That might motivation. have been my motivation <laughs> to take the guy's test. Yeah. Oh, if they're going to do yeah. it. Because <laughs> okay. I don't want to work for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that, and that it truly is honest. I mean, I'll just be honest with that. That's, uh, that's a big motivator. Uh, and I just think, and like we talked about, some individuals are ready to make that jump faster than others. And the, the thing, I, and I've given advice and was given advice to me too, is like when you make that choice, either you get in it full bore or don't get in it. Yeah. You know, really, really concentrate on it. And just the realization. And when is, you're doing it right, it's pretty damn selfless. It, it, it very and much none so. None of it very has anything so. to do with you. Exactly. And, you know, when you, you get you get in the process, but the thing is, if you when you the, the process will end, you the the testing process ends, and you're going to come out the other side. You're still the same guy. Now, did you ever you change the attitude that everybody looks at you as? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. people are looking at you different because you changed during the testing process. And we all have war stories on that guy. Yeah. But the thing is, when you come out of it, you don't get to go back. No, and I actually you, you're, that. you're there now. Yeah, like you got to do the job. Now. You have to. It ain't do about the, the test. It's yeah. about the job. Now, now you're now you're calling South Shift Command. They're telling, yeah, you got a red helmet. Let's you're going to Station Thirty Six today. It was weird when they gave me my red helmet. They also gave me a mouthpiece. I don't. I didn't understand why. <laughs> yeah, like, I got a mouthpiece and a cup. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm like all right, I'll, I'll take this thing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and like I tell people all the time, it's like just because you change a title, there will be people that think that you're doing something different. Like, I don't think I change very much. Like, you guys know me pretty well, but yeah. I think I'm pretty much the same guy. But, like, just, like, you know, he changed, he's this, he's that. I'm like, I don't think I really changed. But ultimately, I think No, your responsibilities, day, though, change. Yeah, someone has to Yeah, so you got to yeah, yeah. do your job. Yeah, someone yeah. has to be the adult, you know, yeah. and, that, and you sometimes have to, that sucks. You know, and, yeah. and, you know, and I can remember Tim's advice when I was leaving 28. It was a sad day for me because I know I'm packing my shit. I'm gone. Yeah. I, I don't get the luxury of going back, you know, and or, or want that. But, you know, he told me, he said, hey, just remember one thing. He goes, most of the time, you don't have to make the decision or be the guy, you know, like 95% of the time. He goes, you can make, you can let the crew make the decision. And they, and they all self-discipline and they'll do the work and they'll do what, what, what they need to do. Yep. And he goes, but the 5%, you need to wear the red helmet. You got to wear it. That's what you told and you, me. And you have to own it. You have to put it on and you have to keep it there. When you signed my my little promotional party uh, picture thing, it said you said keep it simple. Like yeah. Like and, and the best advice you ever gave me, you know, when I was getting promoted was keep it simple. Let the crew make ninety five percent of the choices. You make the five percent that count. Yeah. And I said that is great advice. Yeah. Man. I mean that's and that's what I ran with and yeah. You know, I I, I, I made a few enemies out there, but I don't think I made a whole lot as a captain. I mean, there's there's only a few guys in my in my career that I had any confrontation had to, had to had talk to yeah and did uh, you know of well <laughs> yeah that I hey, know. and I, I guess maybe it just because it's a point of where i am in my life but it's okay judge me by who hates me yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm well, totally yeah. okay with that. I yeah. love that statement. I have enemies because I stood for something. Yeah. Right, and that's right. okay, man. Yeah. yeah, like that's that's yeah. one thing that I think we could do a better job at. Yeah. Leaders or, or not is like, hey, we can get in a room, and we can have a tough conversation, and we can, you know, maybe say some things that necessarily you don't like to hear. Or I don't like to hear. Right. But, but it's the truth. And it's the truth. And we're right. all, you know, men and women, and we should be able to have those tough conversations. But at the very end, when we walk out that door, we're all one team. We and are. Like, and, and I feel like sometimes the team before self thing gets lost. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And actually, Roy Lewis brought something up in, 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 in our podcast with him where he said, he goes, he goes, yeah, you know, I get that. And he goes, you know, there's some guys where I came across, like, I really like that guy. Like, that guy can be a brother from another mother. He said, but there's other guys like, yeah, that guy's kind of interesting. And, and and what he said was, you know, like when you're on a team, like you're on a mountain bike team, you're on a football team, stuff like that, you have all have one common goal and you have to be very present in, in, in what you do. But when we mm-hmm. do, we have a common goal, but we don't really have to be, we come from so many different walks of life. Like you don't have to necessarily be a very, very interested in firemen and have everything be about the fire department. You have all these other interests. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of people with other interests and we have the common fire interest goal, but we just don't mesh as well as right. being on a team with one common goal to win a Super Bowl or right. to win a Rose Bowl or a national championship or right. something like that. And after he said that, I was like, that's right. Like we have, we have, we have, I feel like we're, we have a trend of, we have a little more individuality mm-hmm. than team. And like, I don't know how you change that. I don't know if it's, it's a cultural thing. Um, and I honestly, I think it's, it's taught from the top, whether it be from me or from, you know, or from Chris or, or something like that. But when when you have that example and you do those things, I think that team aspect will come back. But I think it's something we can do a better job at right now is is, is being better brothers and sisters or just being a better team for each other. I know, it's I pretty uh, – that's dependent on integrity, right? Yeah. So if you can't – if there isn't integrity in the relationship, or the, the you know, whatever, um, you can't have the hard conversations – um, and and be able to walk away from it still trusting each other. Right. I think I think in society to a certain extent and within the fire service right now, that criticism means you don't like me, you don't support me, you're not loyal to me. No, criticism should be about actually getting better. Yeah. And you can criticize me, and and I may criticize things. Um, uh, and that doesn't mean I'm not loyal. That doesn't mean I'm not trustworthy. That doesn't mean uh, that's. That's complete horseshit. Actually, is is when the integrity is there by the individuals and within the relationship, you can actually have hard conversations and not end up sacrificing the entire relationship because of it. You have to be able to, to sometimes to name that elephant in the room. Just name that thing mm-hmm. and then talk about that elephant. But well, well, a lot yeah. of times we don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, but you, Chris touched on it. You know, you look at society now and. It, and Political views, all the ramifications of the Me Too movement, all these things that are going on out in the world are brought back into the firehouse. True. And we have to be sensitive to them or you're not a good supervisor or leader. So people who say, well, you watch too much news or, you you know, you have to stay on top of the issues. But at the same time, when you talk about that elephant that's in the room, how long are your feelers? You're going to get stepped on once in a while. That was told to me when I came on the job. You show a weakness, the piranhas will be on you. Yeah, be yeah. ready for it. We do a good job eat, eating our own sometimes. Yeah, and we do, <laughs> and we do, and we're being judgmental. And yeah. I and I just think that we have to expand our openness to what's being brought into the station. But we have a common goal, and that's what Chris talked on. You know, and we talk about it. it's like, hey, we go we go on calls, 
And we do work for people we don't even know. And put ourselves in really shitty spots that we really don't want to be into when you get away from it. You're going like, that wasn't a really good place to be, but I was there. Literally poop on you. Yeah. Well, (laughs) like I can, I I will not devolve into war stories, but I can vividly recall taking care of a guy who was a mess from a car wreck who was drunker than Hooter's goat and who had just smashed a family in a suburban. It basically killed all of them. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Still got to do my thing. Yep. It don't. Do it. I don't have any. Yeah. It don't matter. I. I'm not. I ain't in charge of the in the, yep. the justice system. That's so we right now, cops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, all right. And, he, and gets, I, he gets everything that everybody else right, got. Right. And and being judgmental and saying, well, you know, I'm not going to do that. You know, that's easy to fall into that trap. And I, you know, in that separation, you know, the political world of it. But you know, the reality of the job is just is this. And this is where it all comes down to. To me was. If, if I had a fire and I got into trouble and I had to turn my pass on, I knew, let's say Chris was running the fire, he would bring every resource that was available to him till I was out or that problem was solved. You bet your ass he would. And, and that's, yeah. that's what the fire service that's is trust about. Right that's there. trust. That's and trust that, right there. And that never goes away. And that never, you, it, that won't change. And that's what makes our job so special. And you know what? It could be the person that you really don't care for because you work with them and you don't, but it doesn't matter if he's in trouble, you're going in and you're, and you're going to, you're going to get him out. You know, that's, that's the whole thing. And you, you look at, and that's in the field. I think that, I think, I think some of that still exists there. Not some, but I mean, like a lot of, I think outside the field, a lot of times that trust and integrity, Chris is talking about, I don't know if, 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 if everybody feels that outside of, you know, the final rank people sometimes like you know, like almost like the opposite of what you had said like hey like you know take care of your captains take care of the, the people doing the work i think yeah. i think yeah. sometimes that like guys don't feel or guys and girls don't feel that appreciation right so but maybe it's just a change in time maybe it's just is what it is who knows well and i think that you know that that commitment to each other is is um like i said what makes it makes the fire service so special but it makes our department so special because we look at all the training we that came through the department after Tarver lost his life, and you know the, how we focus on, you know the recovery process and all the stuff that we do, and you know fire ground survival and the stuff that really, when it gets down to the nuts and bolts, and what really matters is if we have people who are competent can go in and get it get it done, right. right? And what does that all boil down to? When Chris talked about it, when we went through the downturn and we had no money and no budget, is we always seem to have money to train. Yeah, training was, it, training was training. He never went away, even during the downturn. We still trained. It wasn't like we. It wasn't in the same manner as we like to do it. It wasn't that. Right. But it was still there. Yeah, and we got you never. It never stopped. You know, and that's being a professional is being ready. You know, having that training and feeling confident that you can, you can go do that. You can go get that job on. You know. But you live that. I think you and like and you expected those people around you to live that. Without a doubt. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think you you guys are a dying breed, um, and like you know, I think you know that that can come back, but I just think it takes strong I- individuals that are willing to, you know, speak up, maybe rock the boat a little bit, um, a little bit, maybe challenge, you know, challenge, you know, challenge the status quo. But you know, that's that's where I think that's kind of where it has to start. Well, yeah. and, and you know, you can take it, you can take it away from being at the station on the job, you know, but your days off, and you know. You look at 
I don't know, you know, the past few years. And this is what I come back to is we got guys who and, you know, members who are turning their pass on away from the job. They're in yeah, trouble. Absolutely. They are freaking in trouble. But I think pride and ego keeps them from turning it on, and they hide it. And, you know, me talking personally about my life on the job, there were times I needed to turn it on. Right. And I didn't do it because I had too much pride and ego. And when you start shucking the pride and ego and you get rid of it, and you start dealing with yourself in, in that Your level, demons, right? Your demons. Yeah. And everybody has them. And, it, and everybody yeah. has scar tissues. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and so you look at it, but, man, away from the job, and it's as simple as you having a crew or Chris being on a call and noticing something about a person. Right. And ask them a simple question. Hey, man, you all right? Can I do anything for you? And I think sometimes that's where the department has changed. But we're trying to get better and we're trying to do a better job of it because there's just so much more outside influence when you're away from the station of what's going on in the world. Right. And the world is, to me, is like, <laughs> pay attention. It's It's... It's a little bit, a little bit whacked out, a little bit crazy out there. More right. so than I've ever seen it, you know. So, I don't know. That's that's kind of how I look at it, you know. Like we'll still throw every resource if, if one of us gets in, in, into trouble on the fire ground, you know. And that's that camaraderie, that's that fellowship, that's that professionalism, you know. Yeah. The the. the <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 is a little bit different right now, and there's and I. It's not the fire service, really. There's this, a lot of things have influenced it, uh, things I'm experiencing now, at least right now, professionally is. It seems like everybody wants to know everything instantaneously. Without and I doubt. can't ever walk around for a split second not knowing everything that's going on right now in the organization. Right. And I have to be prepared for any question at any time. That's physically impossible. And to be able, if somebody asks you a question about, hey, I heard this happened, or why were, why did this happen, or why did this truck do this, or there's a problem, or yep. complain, or, or, or even a compliment, um, and, I, and I didn't know about it, or I can't, or, or I'm not trusting in the system enough to go, eh, that hasn't gotten to me yet, I'll figure it out, hang on, or I'll get the information. Um, it, uh, that, that level of trust and that level of uh, tension pushes its way down in the organization and then it, it creates issues it creates yeah, I think it actually creates a little bit of lack of trust uh, quite honestly so um, uh, yeah so uh, well, it, pa you talked about patience and you talked about uh, uh, other things that, that actually really really matter um, but the, and most of those are built in personal securities and how secure somebody feels in their job yeah. and, and all that other mm -hmm. stuff and yeah I don't want to I don't want to I hate putting that off on firefighters. I want them to. I want them to be able to have the mind frame that they can do the best they can Absolutely. in some really hard con situations and really hard conditions, environments, and not always feeling their their best. Um, and so that should probably be the focus. And without a doubt, yeah. and it, you know what it comes back down to is is leadership. How are we train them. How do we keep trained? And what's our priorities? And you know, I think we always struggle since day one is when people who are in positions to affect different things make it uh, in a personal agenda. Yeah, it's not of, personal. Yeah, and you, and you can't do that. you got to think about what Chris just talked about. And it's always, the, what's, what's the weakest link? You know, if we don't, if we're not trained up, we're not ready to go, and we don't have good equipment. Bruno, Bruno would put it perfectly, like, 
give them the best equipment, give them the best training, put them on the truck, and let them go do yeah, their work. Tell them, tell them what you want. Yeah. Give them the tools and get out of the way. Yeah. Let them go. Let them go do their job. For sure. Get out of the way. Like yeah. that's what like our guys. Yeah. Like, and tell them how they did. Yeah. Right. You should end up and yeah. tell them yeah. how they did. Good yeah. and bad. Good yeah. And yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like exactly. you know, to be honest with you, I tell back to the constructive criticism part. Like I tell people all the time, when I stop talking to you, that's when you should work. Yeah, that's bad. Because that, because that's yeah. when I, because that, that's that's yeah. when I, I no longer care. Yeah, I'm not going to put any more effort into yeah. you. Like I, I have tried and tried and tried. That, right. that's when you should worry. If, if Chris is going to jump my ass like after a fire, I'm okay with it because I trust right. him. You know, right. I, I, same thing with you. If like you pull me, same, you're like, hey, what the fuck were you thinking on that? And I'm like, well, this is what I was thinking. You, right. you'd be like. Okay, I get that, but let's right. <laughs> let's let's, yeah. let's 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 absolutely make you better. And then you touched on something too about your demons, and you know, um, I think as a leader or as someone who who is is in, is in a position of leadership, if you don't fix, because this this came up in in the counseling podcast and it came up a few other times, if you don't go back and you fix those that empty hole that you have mm-hmm. in your life, whether it be addiction, whether it be a bad marriage, whether it be a bad relationship with your dad or your mom or right. yourself or food or whatever the hell it is right. like you have no hope in being able to change anything in a positive way it's like right. if, if like, you want to change the world or like change the department or like change your city or your company fix yourself first and then start doing that other stuff yeah, absolutely so and, and that's you know the part of being a leadership you know for me when i was down at 28 as a firefighter i went through a divorce and i could remember going to work and i would you know be upset about something about how things would turn out. But when I went to work, that was my sanctuary. And and that's that the environment that helped me get through that and the leadership that Tim, he knew what was going on with me. Right. But he was he was attentive to it. Yeah, smart. And, and, and maybe there was a little pep talk here and there. Awareness is, is a really good thing for a leader, too. Taps and awareness. The left to bang stuff, you know. The, the, yeah, awareness and caring. Absolutely. And compassion. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and and being judgmental is like, well, I haven't walked in their shoes, but let me try to think about what they're going through. For sure. And and that man, if that that doesn't play into the role, then maybe you shouldn't be in that leadership position. You shouldn't. Yeah. For sure, absolutely shouldn't. Like, you can't care about your people and care what they do on a daily basis in their personal lives. Like, I heard, uh, I think Dorian Jackson told me, like, uh, the fire chief for San Antonio, he has a board of every kid that's getting married, that's getting every member who's having a child he has that date on his board so when that kid's born he sends him a onesie and says welcome to the family like that's a little tiny thing that someone's that's someone's huge yeah, that's and, and, I, and that's what i refer to like for me when bruno was a fire chief for him to give me the badge and shake my hand it's like he didn't forget the process and the hard work i just put through to get there but he appreciated it yeah because he he he's the man that's the highest it gets, and he's he's saying congratulations, man, good job. Yeah. And so this is obviously before cell phones, but Alan's home phone number was in the fire department directory. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's a brave soul. <laughs> His yeah. home phone number. Well, I'm sure he took calls he really didn't want to. Yeah, <laughs> they were pr- some of them were probably pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> How many calls and, do you think he got from yeah. Bobby Begay yeah. and Eddie Carr? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, those guys. Those special I moments. think I'd rather talk to those guys <laughs> yeah. than some of the guys that were calling him in the middle of the night. <laughs> For sure. From jail. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. No on, doubt. On a more humorous tip, let's hear one one story from you. Either funny crew, 
funny call, funny whatever. Like I know for me, like as being your booter, the funniest one ever was when we went to call 911H. The person was dead. And I know you guys are big golfers. And uh, Ohab found a set of clubs. <laughs> so, he, so he takes the, the driver out and he's taking a swing in the living room. And the cop walks in and goes, hey, stupid, what are you doing? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, you think that could be the murder weapon <laughs> that you're holding in your hand? <laughs> Ohab was like, mm. yeah. And he like sheepishly put the thing back in the, yeah. back in the thing. Oh, you know, shit. I mean, for, for me, and you're talking about Ohab, the, the guy... The guy has a spirit and, and, a, and a soul about him that is just special when you get to know it. And, oh, yeah. And, <laughs> special is yeah, a way to describe it. And, and, and I, could, uh, I can remember laying in bed, you know, wake up, call at 6 o'clock, and you got your ass handed to you. You know, you're laying there. And here comes Steve walking by the dorm, you know, the captain's dorm room. Yeah. And he's whistling and he's singing Long Neck Goose Song, you know, and he's right. just happier as shit. But for special. me, yeah, <laughs> special. for me was like I can remember 35th Avenue and Bell. We we're on a, on a car wreck there, and Steve, you know, it's it's one of those wrecks. It's 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 there's really no injuries. So I'm filling out a paperwork, and all of a sudden, you know, we're it's rush hour, and we got the truck blocking traffic, and all of a sudden, I hear this honk and this screech of tires, and I turn around. Well, Ohab's out there, and he's directing traffic. He thinks he's a cop now. And he almost directed traffic <laughs> to another wreck. And Steve looks at me, and I look at him. I'm giving him, you know, one of these, hey, Steve, get on the truck. So he goes back on the truck. But he used to find so much enjoyment into torturing the sea shifters in the morning <laughs> that it was, it was like to walk out of the station with this big smile on my face, and he would talk about cleaning the station. And he would wear a safety vest, and he'd be the cleaner and the PIO at the same time. <laughs> and he'd be telling the, sa- the sea shifters on station day, he cleaned behind the refrigerator. <laughs> he didn't sweep around it, and they don't know how anything. to clean. You know, and it's just those little things that you think about, you know, and it's like, I don't know. He was, that was a good time working with those guys. That was a great crew to be with, for sure. I enjoyed it for sure. Yeah. I was like, man, I got to leave. Like yeah. These guys are awesome. Yeah, you you fit right in really fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm completely retarded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, people out there. About you, Chris. Good fun um, story. So I am going to. Yeah, there's plenty that are rattling around in my head right now, uh, but I'm going to talk. I my favorite character is Tim Smith. Uh, um, and and yeah, and I got to work with Tim uh, uh, a, a little bit, not as much as I hell I wish I would have gotten to. Um, but when I went to Engine 2, fortunately, Tim was still there on Engine 1. And uh, two things that, that I can be having a shitty day, whole, you know, crazy stupid things can happen, but the, these memories of just silly shit he would say will <laughs> pop in my head, and it can completely flip my attitude to where I'll laugh for no reason just <laughs> because something like that popped in my head. And there are two, two of them. And so uh, having been a medic, and when I went to Engine 2, I actually took uh, – a BLS spot, so I was uh, I wasn't functioning as a medic. Sam was off. The uh, Cowboys game was on, or something. And <laughs> or the uh, Cubs. yeah, so, so Sam's off, and and Rick Brophy's the, the 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 it was was Sam's medic partner, and so I'm still a medic. We go on engine one special calls us. Engine one never special calls us, and we're like, oh, this is gonna be horrible. This is gonna be a horrific scene. And we get there, and it's in the Golden West, 
you know, across the street from uh, from what what the Chase Tower is now, horrible flop house. We go up on the second floor, and uh, they're working a code. And uh, the guy's, you know, not breathing, sharding, beaten, beaten. So we go to doing our thing, and I told Rick, "All right, I'll 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 do the I'll take care of the tube." And and uh, and so, and that that's I was that I think that's the last code I ever worked as a medic too. Uh, but I remember laying on the hallway floor of the second floor of the Golden West, getting ready to put a tube in this guy's gullet, and uh, Smitty gets down next to my ear because he had been, you know, uh, working the bag valve mask, which was funny in and of itself. (laughs) And, you know, Tim has hard of hearing, so, you know, he talks real loud, whispering Smith, and he gets in my ear, and he's like, Stu, I think he's suffering from low (laughs) (laughs) self-esteem. Oh, yeah. I think so too, Smith, but I think we need to get him breathing. We need to get him breathing first, and then we'll work on, then we'll talk uh, talk through some stuff. Smitty. And then, uh, yeah, and then and another call. We're engine one special call. This never happens. Guy got just sm- uh, beaten, probably worse than I've ever seen, and then he gets smashed in the head with a river rock. You know, the beautiful creatures that live, used to live in downtown Phoenix, south Still of the river there. tracks. Yeah. Um, or railroad tracks, and uh, I come walking up, I'm, you know, because I love to engage Smitty's because you never know what you're going to get. And I'm like, all right, Smith, what's going on? He goes, oh, this is a bad one, Stu. This guy's got brain smash. And I'm like, he's got brain yeah, All right. Yeah, well, that yeah. sounds horrible. Yeah. Let's, let's get him to the hospital. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was beautiful, man. Smitty was beautiful. Freak athlete, too, right? F- uh, firefighters, firefighters, and yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. How long do you think you guys, how long do you think we've been going? Uh, a little over an hour? It's two hours, man. Two hours. Really? It's two. It's a time warp in here. Wow. It's crazy, right? Like, yeah, it flies by. Like, yeah. we can just go on and on and on yeah. and on. Hey, do you think maybe we can take up a collection so he can afford air conditioning in here? We do. You're just, you, you're just running hot. <laughs> you're, you're redhead running yeah. hot. <laughs> those, 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 those that know you. I think, I think my business partner's playing a joke. I mean, he turned the AC off. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he turned the heater off. He's like, uh, you want to take a two-hour break from doing construction? Sweat in there, yeah. motherfucker. It feels, it feels better than mountain. I'll yeah. tell you that much. <laughs> no, man. Pet. Like, I just want to say, like, man, like, when, when I started laying out guests and, like, who I wanted to be here, like, you guys were – in that uh, top 50. I mean, you guys were in that top five for sure. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were in that top, top five for sure. But, like, Kirk, like, you were integral part of, like, who I became as a fireman, firefighter, captain, all that stuff. Like, there's lessons that that, that you taught me that will always stay with me. I mean, there, there, there's not a day that, that, that goes by when I'm on the truck that I don't think about you and, like, you know, what, like – just, just those little lessons, and like you're still teaching me things today. Like we still keep in touch. We still yeah. talk yeah. about stuff, man. And like I just wanted to be straight up and tell you that I love you, brother. Like our, like our relationship has always been real. Like you've always been yeah. able to have the conversation with me. Like you're honestly, you and Stu are, are really the ones that had me take the captain's test because you knew right. that I was going to take the fucking thing. I passed right. on the first one, second one. Like, eh, I don't know. Right. Like, I don't think, but right. like I'm glad that I did. And I'm just like this is this is this medium to be able to sit here. And just talk about this stuff to me. It's like that's awesome. Well, yeah, and you know, Brandon, for you to say that to him, it means a lot because we do have a relationship just like Chris and I do. And you know, when you and I'll and I'll give you the perspective from the guy retired now. You you still try to keep in touch. You know, you don't want to lose complete touch. But there's nothing better than get a text from you or from somebody else that I've helped and you know get hired or 
you know, help with the promotional process or a phone call or get together for lunch. That goes so far with me. And it's always just like what we talk about. You can sit here and have the bullshit stuff, you know, and just and be real and be honest with each other. And that's the part of the job that I miss the most. But I still keep in touch with the guys I really want to keep in touch with. And there's a few relationship friendships that are left out there right now that probably need to be rekindled and, and, right. and, and, and you know, and revisited because it, it means a lot to me. And I think that goes through all of our lives, you know. But we, we talk about... And, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll end it on, for me, on this note, is that we talk about, um, you know, turn our past devices on, you know, when, and, and away from the job. Is we're, we're all human. We all have our weaknesses. And we are we, human, and yeah, I think and people we, forget and, that sometimes. And we have, we have to remember that that shirt, you put that shirt on every third day, does, doesn't turn you into anything different. No. You're, you're still the same person. High-paid landscapers. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's what we are. But in that same perspective, and Chris, with his where he is with his faith, but my faith in in my feelings of what's the priority for me is that the relationship I always want to keep and the one that means the most and it keeps me staying on the line on a daily basis is my relationship, my love with Jesus Christ. And I look at this world and some of the things that's going on into it and. I'm not being judgmental, but I'm thinking to myself, man, it's getting crazier out there. And I'm not preaching to the choir, and I'm not trying to tell you what to do, because Chris and I have talked about religion. Which shift is he on? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I I just think that that, 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 when you look at some of the things that you get involved with and you go through your career, and a couple of them, for me, I look back and I go like, how did I survive that? Because I really have to really analyze it, because like, how did I not get killed there? Yeah. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's my Lord was looking after me. So that's where I'm at. Strong faith. I love it. Chris, and for you, man, like I said, like I've been, I think we've only known each other for about five or six years, but you're a guy that came into my life, especially in the fire department, that at the right time, um, you're a great leader. You communicate well. You're all about making the place and people better. And I'll like that's, that's, that's one of the greatest attributes is you always want to make everybody better and you're never ever going to let anybody off the hook for anything which which like that accountability thing is a big thing for me like like you're not going to let me slide whether I'm not doing my best like you you're going to call bullshit and even your superiors like if like you don't think they're doing a good job like you're going to call bullshit too like maybe just cuz you're redheaded and have no soul but <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm at the point in my life where you only yell up. <laughs> yeah, that, right I, I love that, but yeah, but okay. I mean, you're you, you're, you're you're a man that 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 I compared, and I've told you before. There's a four star general that I built a couple houses for, William Crouch, Wikipedia guy, amazing guy. Hopefully, I have him on here one day. But you have a lot of the same char- characteristics that I have, and um, you're always willing to fight the good fight, and like that's something. That that is that is irreplaceable for me. Like you're loyal, uh, you're trustworthy, you have integrity. Like I'm just so blessed and, and grateful that 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 you came into my life when you did. I look forward to doing like more things with you, working with you further. And you're, you're just a good dude. And the fire department and the fire service needs more guys like you. And I know that you know things have been um, a challenge lately, but you know hopefully you just keep weathering that storm, man. No, I, people need you. I greatly appreciate that. That's incredibly nice and incredibly gracious for you to say. And I don't, it's actually, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty heavy thing to wear. I, 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 it's pretty damn cool. And I, I appreciate it. And we'll, 
I value having you. You've stood up and done some really cool stuff. Every time I call, you're like, yeah, yeah. let's let's yeah. do that. I'm in. And that's what mm-hmm. it's been. So, I, yeah, man. I And, and you talk about that connection to the field. You and, and, and a handful of others are my connection to the field, are right. my – I live vicariously through you, whether you know, in, in ten different ways. And uh, so thank you, and uh, this, stuff, this stuff really matters. This has been a pretty cool deal. I'm yeah. really happy to, to do this yeah. with, 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 with all of you. We'll do it again for sure. But, yeah, episode three is kind of takeaways from today. Talked a lot about leadership. Key points that I picked up on is, hey, if you're going to be a leader, want to be a leader, acting in a leadership position, be accountable for yourself, be accountable for your people, back your people, be present wherever you're at, be competent, have compassion for your crew and your members or or your people in the field, be caring, be a good listener, be trustworthy. I think the biggest thing that I took away from today from you guys is, number one thing, have some fucking integrity. And if you don't, you're fucking you're you lost before you've even started so mm-hmm. having integrity means everything and not having integrity means everything absolutely so there it is episode three thank you kirk hover chris stewart thanks guys love you guys thank you thanks love you too brother well there it was episode three with chris stewart and kirk hover again episode three was brought to you by reef builders a full service design build construction company if you're looking for Anything done on your home, kitchen, bath remodel, addition, custom home built, or even a small boutique project, a commercial project, Reef Builders can deliver it for you. Reef Builders. Your vision, their experience, delivered. Uh, man, that was, that was an awesome talk today. Uh, we'll talk about leadership and uh, what, it, what, it, what it takes to be a good leader and um, the leaders that they got to follow in their career path. That was, uh, that was awesome. Um, some takeaways from that for sure is, you know, if you guys are out there trying to be leaders or trying to promote or trying to do anything in business, public safety or the military, you know, there's some good takeaways on there. Be accountable, uh, be compassionate, be competent, be caring, uh, be a good listener. Um, you know, but the biggest one that I think, uh, that I'm taking away from today is, you know, be trustworthy and have integrity. It all starts with, with that. So, um, Again, just want to thank everybody for listening. Um, I definitely uh, starting to enjoy this even even further. It's developing into something that uh, another creative outlet that I'd never thought it would it would end up being. But anyway, it's been wonderful. So thank you for listening. Um, again, love to hear your feedback, reviews, all that good stuff. Uh, you can find us on social media at Make the Difference Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, you can also find us on our website at MakeTheDifferencePodcast.com. Um, please leave reviews, any good, bad, indifferent, whatever stuff you want to hear, let me have it um, on you know, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever the podcast can be found. So again, guys, thank you very much for listening. appreciate it. Looking forward to doing more of these, and have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.